Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon you you're not the joker who are you hey nice fucking outfit <laughs> i'm the ghost with the most babe i don't know who this joker guy is uh sounds like a pretty good looking fella if you ask me <laughs> speaking of good looking fellas you kind of look like me yeah, I don't know what it is. Uh, you kind of remind me of a younger, less dead me. <laughs> it's weird. You're like a combination of me and Joker. Must be the eyebrows. Must be. Weird. Seems like you have some sort of bat hat. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like a little carousel spins around. I like to do it whenever I'm scaring the deadbeats. <laughs> That's what a bio-exorcist is. You know, an exorcist, they, uh, they get rid of the demons. Well... <laughs> I get rid of the live folks out of the house. <laughs> huh. Using fear tactics. I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of my gig. Uh, I like your thing, too. The whole, like, bat motif. It's, uh, it's a pretty sweet gig. Oh. Thanks. They're great survivors. Yeah, well, I wasn't so good at surviving, as you can see. <laughs> so what do you mean by you're dead? This isn't some sort of Halloween thing, is it? Uh, no. I am a ghost. In fact, I'm the ghost with the most. <laughs> the most what? Well, uh, I guess you gotta ask Susan B. Anthony about that, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> Might have to run your blood through toxicology, see how high you are. Hey, let's turn on the juice and see what shakes loose. <laughs> no trace of blood at all. Weird. You must be like my friend, Boston Brand. Hey, sounds like a pretty stand-up ghost, if you ask me. <laughs> well, if you excuse me, I'm on my way to hunt some criminals. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm Boston Brand. What's going on? You called my name? I know both of you. Beetlejuice? Who the hell is this guy? Ghost with the most meat bats. Bats? Here's a ghost, man. It's too many people. I can't socialize with more than two people at once. What about like 18 robins you got? 
all at once. It's like an army of them. I didn't get 18 Robins. I almost got Marlon Wayans, and that was it. He was pretty funny. Thanks for showing up, Boston, but I think I'm going to go hunt some criminals. All right. Now, uh, these criminals, are they uh, ghosts like me, or are they deadbeats? You know, some live fleshies. They're deadbeats. All of them are deadbeats. Hey, I like the sound of that. All right, who needs a Robin? Let's get nuts. I just got two words for you, then. It's showtime. <laughs> Welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know, a Superhouse podcast where we are diving into part two of No Man's Land, the epic one-year crossover of Batman. I am, once again, your co-host, Ben, the man who knows too much about Batman, and here with me are... Andrew here. I didn't read it, okay? I know everybody expected me to read No Man's Land. He said, I gotta read this before the next recording, (laughs) two weeks later... Not but, a single page. I'm sorry. Yeah. We ha- do have somebody who has read it. Is somebody else here has to know what I'm talking about, and that is once again returning with us is uh, Zach Brown. This is your old Uncle Joker here again, kiddies. Back for more chincanery. <laughs> Charcuterie. Yes, and that was also Zach in the, as you can see from his outfit, that was also Zach in the opening sketch as Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah, that was good. I can see that you have a lot of DNA shared, but with Beetlejuice and the Joker. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The original, uh, yeah, the original concept art for uh, Joker that Burton did almost sometimes looks like, in, in certain ones, almost kind of looks like a, a Beetlejuice-esque type. So it makes sense in a way. Uh, but yeah, we are here to finish off No Man's Land, uh, which sort of led me to read probably about forty to fifty issues in the span of like two weeks realizing just how much stuff was in the storyline so <laughs> i can't wait to learn everything about it <laughs> every single issue in detail andrew we will be here <laughs> till midnight what sucks is that there's an audiobook of this right uh, an <laughs> yes. abridged version there's, there's another thing there is an abridged audio drama actually of the greg <laughs> rucka no man's land it is nine hours however uh but it doesn't it doesn't have everything in there but it does have a full voice cast uh with a it has a pretty strong voice cast, actually, uh, considering that a lot of people feel sometimes with animated movies that if it's not Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill and, and that cast, that it's, it's kind of crap. But, you know, Batman doesn't sound like Conroy at all, uh, but he still has a good, like, Batman-like voice. Uh, the, cool. the Joker sounds almost as if they got Hamill back in some parts. Okay. Uh, but it, it was, it was I know it's not him. It's not. It was Zach doing it, of course. <laughs> Way back in 1999. I should have listened to that fucking audio book. Hopefully, I'll I'll get that. Three years point. old, and I did it. Oh no, 1999. Wow, no. 99. Yeah, 99. you're not that much younger than me. Yeah. Good ten-year-old voice on there. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. But uh, just to recap, then on where we left off of No Man's Land. Uh, so big 7.6 earthquake destroyed a lot of Gotham City. The government decided to cut it no, off. No, no more earthquake talk. Universe. I can't yes. take the earthquake talk through. This okay, is exactly... <laughs> for those who don't know, here in California, <laughs> for like the second time this year, we got hit with uh, an earthquake that was at least, like, what, it was, it was 4.6? 4.6. 4. Here's 4. the thing. 6. I'm not going to reveal, of course, my exact location, but right. let's say I'm close to both the fires and the fucking <laughs> earthquake. We got COVID going on. This fucking pandemic. I'm losing my fucking mind here in California let's, right let's now. Let's keep 
Yeah, let's keep uh, everything from contagion through no man's land in fiction, please, everybody. Yeah, if if LA as was a if LA had a stock, <laughs> I feel like it had a stock market crash. Like it's just an all time low right now. Mm-hmm. Rogan left. He's taking a big shit on it on his show. That's a whole other conversation, I guess. <laughs> yes. But uh, let's see. So it caused all the supervillains to take over Gotham City. Gordon hates Batman for abandoning Gotham City. Uh, and he has formed the GCPD is now a gang called the Blue Boys. The police have now split because their corrupt trigger-happy SWAT leader, Bill Pettit, has murdered a bunch of gang members belonging to Black Mask. And he went off to start his own gang, who are called the Strongmen. Uh, you know, not uh, not Bill, insecure Bill at all. Bill Pettit, Pettit, with that last name, sounds like he committed some other crimes, but uh, I'll just leave that as it is. <laughs> okay, and then uh, Gordon at one point, yes, uh, entered an alliance with Two-Face, who now rules the land. Two-Face was in love with Montoya, and when Gordon called off the alliance, Two-Face wanted Gordon dead for separating him from the woman he thought that he loved. Uh, Batman's main ally, Mon- through but this- he's not Montoya's type, correct? This- uh, no, and oh, really? He did not. He he did, he's not Montoya's type at all, uh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Right, we right, did right. not know for a few years what Montoya's type actually you know, oh, turned out to be. Planning the seat at this point. That's right. Yes, yeah, yeah. you said that's the that. Greg yeah. Rucker, yeah. Uh, yeah. Batman's main ally in crime fighting through that was the new Batgirl, who turned out to be Huntress, trying to take on the mantle herself when Batman was gone. But she got disowned after failing to stop Two Face from taking the land. Uh, Helena had tried to defend herself, bringing up that she was left alone with 200 Two-Face's goons and asked what she was supposed to do, and all Batman said was, more. Uh, <laughs> Batman, <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, he's basically the standard Asian parent. Uh, Batman decides <laughs> that he needs help. You made help. an A-. minus. <laughs> going yeah. to go in the closet again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> ben, ben, let us know what it was like, man. Uh, very dark in there. <laughs> it became my bat cave. <laughs> That's how you, you got associated with being. This is the. This is the. This bat. How, you feel bats. <laughs> this is and so Batman was born in my psyche. You will um, hang upside down for three hours for making a ninety-two. <laughs> Batman, however, decides that he does need help, just not apparently Huntress's help. So he has Oracle reach out to Nightwing and Robin, and that is where we left off in part one. So jumping right the fuck in to part two. Where we have, uh, just to satisfy the fact that we had zero explanation in terms of how Bruce Wayne got back into Gotham and No Man's Land. Well, guess what? We have three explanations for how Tim Drake gets into Gotham City. So take that, Nolan, you fucking piece of shit (laughs) and goyer. Some Dark Knight Rises bullshit. It was right there the whole fucking time. All you had to do was read the comic (laughs) or the Greg Rucka novelization. Or the junior novelization, because there are three different explanations across all. Or listen three. to the audio book. Come on. Or listen to the audio book. Uh, or look to this podcast many years later. Uh, all right. So <laughs> retroactive. <laughs> Goyer's like I jumped into the future. Uh, so in the comic, uh, Tim and Dick Grayson uh, meet outside Gotham, where they take these vehicles that are almost like these go kart type things through hidden tunnels that are there to get into Gotham City. Uh, in I like the that. That's cool. Junior novelization. They both fly in through some sort of automate, automated glider, and uh, in the Greg Rucka novelization, he probably has the most uh, gritty, realistic version, which is Tim Drake just using his skills to scale the underside of the bridge. Uh, just traipsing through muck and shit in the sewer. <laughs> well, the whole under time. the bridge, Nightwing and, under the br- and Robin. Under the bridge. Right? Nightwing and, uh, and Robin actually encounter uh, villains in the sewer on their way in. They encounter Gearhead 
and Tommy Mangles. Who are Gearhead and Tommy Mangles? We will not get into that. There's way too much information on that, but they are not. They're basically D-list villains in, Go- in Gotham, and we will not hear much from them again uh, on here. But they, what's Gearhead's they name? Gearhead's name? Yeah. Does he have a? That's his alias, he, right? What's his real name? Gary his Gary. real name is what? Gary Gearton. No. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Headed. Uh, <laughs> Gary Geerton. <laughs> his real name is Nathaniel he's not, Finch. He's not very creative. Not. <laughs> not I mean, all. there's Victor Freeze, so, you know, like... Yeah, it's, it's, there you go. Yeah, not right. everybody's got the thing, but... Anyways, Robin and I... My name is in. Manly Battington. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what I'm going to turn into. The third. Uh, <laughs> Joseph Kerr. Uh, so, Legends of the Dark Knight number one, eight, 120 as the story assembly where he assembles everybody into the Watchtower. And he, he has Robin, Nightwing, Azrael, uh, Oracle, and Cassandra Kane. And Batman shocks everybody with an announcement, which is, quote, I need your help. Which shocks everybody because they've never heard that before. But he yeah. says, no one person can do this alone. No man's land is too big, too dark. The only way to bring light back to Gotham is working together, all of us. So everybody gets their own assignments as they assemble. The Bat family assembles. Uh, so Nightwing has to go undercover into Blackgate because where we left off, uh, Batman left Lockup and KG Beast in charge of the prison. And Batman knows it's only a matter of time before they abuse their power. So he has Nightwing go to Blackgate to free everybody, or sort of take back control. Not free everybody, of course, because that's where he put Black Mask and Ventriloquist <laughs> and everybody. <laughs> wrong wrong prison thing. That, that's, uh, that's Dark Knight Rises. Uh, oh, Robin, yeah. Robin is to help him with a special project in Robinson Park, which we'll find out later. Uh, Azrael is to uh, stop Nicholas Scratch once and for all. So Nicholas Scratch was like the rocker genius dude who really was pushing the government to create no man's land and abandon gotham is he and like that got like a punk look this yeah guy? he's got he does yeah he's got he's got the gothic uh okay he's got he looks like on. um marilyn manson mixed with rob zombie to me yeah okay. that's a good that's a good description. uh okay i yeah. gotcha i gotcha so it's like imagine that guy but also seems to have be like pretty influential to everybody so i feel like if in real life if marilyn manson was saying hey let's abandon this one city we would be like that guy's a fucking lunatic but <laughs> in the comics everybody everyone's like that makes sense and so that's oh, how no man's land was created um but let's follow leaves... this radio dj yeah cassandra is is <laughs> great idea sort of the one who <laughs> cassandra is the one who everyone is a little skeptical about because they don't know her uh, if you're not batman or oracle but batman vouches for her Nightwing, however, isn't convinced until it's Barbara who says that she can Barbara. do the job. Yes, Barbara. Barbara. Barbara uh, it's almost as if Nightwing wants Barbara to give her blessing. And she says, yeah, she has my blessing. And so Batman says, give it to her. And so they give her the Batgirl suit that Oracle has devised for her. And Oracle has admittedly copied the same sort of mask covering that Helena had on there because they figured that, you know, Cassandra can't talk anyway. So... She's not going to need that. Plus, it helps kind of protect this from being a target that somehow Batman has never shot in in any comic. Uh, So uh, Cassandra steps out, and she is now the new Batgirl. And Huntress is back to being Huntress wherever she is. Uh, And Batman says there's work to be done. And the last panel of the story is Batman, Robin, Nightwing, Azrael, and the new Batgirl jumping out the watchtower 
ready to save Gotham. This is not the Justice League Watchtower, though, right? This is this is something else. No, this is the this is Oracle's Watchtower. Oracle's Watchtower. I got you. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, so we go into Act Two of No Man's Land, which is admittedly not nearly as good as Act One, at least in my opinion, because it's so much is focused now on these crossovers with these supporting players, and so it, it feels less impactful for it's compared to like Batman fighting for territory versus Two-Face and that type of stuff. Uh, so I'm not going to get too much into it, um, but I don't know, since you've read it also, Zach, like, how do you feel about how... Because there's this definite shift, uh, at least if you... Re- I don't know if it's in the original uh, trade paperbacks of it, but uh, in the newer ones, they put everybody in there. All the Nightwing comics, all the Robin comics and stuff, and there just feels like this shift that goes from, like, now everybody's back, so let's spend hundreds and hundreds of pages on Dick Grayson and Tim Drake now, and Batman's in, like, three or four stories during this yeah, time. I don't time. know if I've read that, uh, the newer version. I just have the original prints. Oh, ah, okay. So maybe mine's a little bit more concise, because I never, I never got that sense that I never ah, read all the it. tie-ins that uh, you know, went gotcha. along with it. I was the only lunatic. <laughs> so... Appreciate your service. <laughs> this is why I had to read like 50 issues only to find I'm just like the main story is in like half of this. Uh, That's why we had to release a Superman episode in the middle of it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Now you guys know who are listening in. But uh, just as a little, uh, I'm going to cover the major points. And one of those major points is not super impactful for the rest of No Man's Land, but is uh, very important for comic history. So <clears throat> Poison Ivy has taken over Robinson Park. And at one point, this amusement park type of rocket crash lands in Robinson Park. And it, no, it's not Superman or Supergirl. It's not actually from space. <laughs> it is like a, it looks like it's from a ride or something. And Poison Ivy goes to investigate, and she finds that a uh, woman in a jester outfit stumbles out uh, injured. And that was the first incorporation of Harley Quinn into mainstream Batman comics. Oh shit! Did not know that. So No Man's Land is the is responsible for. Harley Quinn becoming part of the mainstream Batman comics outside of the cartoon. Becoming canon, motherfucker. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> Harley was brought into it by Paul Dini. Paul Dini himself wrote, I think this is his main contribution to No Man's Land. He wrote uh, the Harley Quinn, the first Harley Quinn issue, which is kind of an abridged version of Mad Love in certain panels. It's actually, very little of it is about the Arkham stuff because the Arkham stuff is all in the past. So, like, pre-Cataclysm, Harley was Joker's psychiatrist and everything, and uh, she helped Joker escape multiple times as part of his quote-unquote treatment, and uh, she ended up getting locked up herself. Because of the fact, though, that, uh, I don't know, she might have been a little out of it, she kind of missed the boat on the fact that Jeremiah Arkham opened up all the doors uh, before No Man's Land so that he could uh, free everybody. So uh, she was kind of in Arkham for a while until No Man's Land happened, so she went back went to the streets and saw that people were dying with Joker grins on their faces. And she realized that Mr. J was still alive out there. So Mr. J, Mr. Uh, J. yes, he was going over and uh, trying to steal from Penguin. And uh, Harley ended up showing up, beating the crap out of Penguin's goons. And Joker sort of recognizes her as his old doctor and everything. And to, you know, very much to his amusement. And she decides that she's going to help him out. And thus the Joker Harley pair was born according to this comic it didn't happen ever in the comics i mean not the comics the uh the cartoon what do you mean it didn't happen ever 
It did, right? You said the first ever. Okay, the first. I mean, in, in, the comics, in, com- I mean. in the comics, of course. Okay, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. in the comics, but this is their version of the origin, as opposed to the Mad Love episode or the Mad ah, Love comic, okay. where uh, she kind of helped break him out, and because remember he they had to recontextualize this in the context of No Man's Land, where it's I not a you. standard Gotham City going on, <clears throat> uh, and everything. So uh, at one point, uh, you know, she tries to confront Batman. Uh, and everything and Batman's kind of thrown off by her he doesn't quite buy that she's part of Joker's thing he just kind of thinks that she's a she's an Arkham doctor who went loony and doesn't realize the full extent uh, of the connection and everything but Joker kind of uses her to sort of distract Batman for a bit so he can escape this one area uh, but uh, much to Joker's surprise she ends up escaping from him and uh, annoying the crap out of him because he is not used to having a girlfriend so that is why he put her in the rocket ship to try to kill her <laughs> In a rocket ship. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it did not go to space. It w- ended up going into Robinson Park, where Poison Ivy hears the story and can, of course, relate to being a woman who's been abused. So to help Harley, as well as help Harley be around her, she gives uh, Harley a concoction that's sort of an antidote that'll be help her be immune to her poison. So, Which kind of explains Harley and Ivy's relationship and how Harley's able to survive around her. Uh, but this concoction actually ups Harley's. And this is something that's that's sort of a deep cut. Harley in the comics, at least the original cut, has uh, whoops, hold on, I screwed up there. Has uh, super strength, uh, some form of super strength and enhanced agility due to the poison concoction that uh, Ivy gave her. Uh, not really explored that much. It's not like a full-on superpower, but it does explain a little more about how she's able to do a lot of this acrobatic stuff considering that, you know, a year ago she was just supposed to be a psychiatrist at Arkham. She has this concoction in No Man's Land, but not in many other uh, incarnations, is what you're saying. Uh, that I know... Well, she mainly gives it to people who she wants... Like, uh, Ivy w- gave that to Harley so that Harley could be at, stay alive around her and they could talk and hang out. I don't really picture Ivy offering this to very many people, okay. <laughs> just in general. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's probably why. Uh, that's how they... Uh explain the injustice storylines well it's not ivy poison ivy but it's some sort of super pill that Mm -hmm. everybody gets so that they can all fight superman and shit right yeah Yeah. that's true yeah so in here uh harley ends up trying to get back at joker there's a batman versus joker versus harley type of fight at joker's hideout but once joker apologizes harley immediately forgives him and we're back to joker and harley being together uh, at the end of that issue so that is the comic book version of how Harley got incorporated into the story. However, there are differences in the Greg Ruckin novel. In the Greg Ruckin novel, uh, Joker is staying in Arkham through most of No Man's Land because there's no Batman in the beginning. So he's like, oh, there's no- nothing for me out there. And he starts hearing this woman singing in the halls of Arkham because Harley's still in her cell. Uh, in the audiobook version, the audio drama, Harley is actually singing Beautiful Dreamer by Stephen Foster, which is the song that okay. Joker plays on the boombox, the Jack Nicholson Joker plays in the boombox when he's uh, trying to flirt with Vicky Vale in 89. Uh, okay. So, okay. nice little deep cuts there. But uh, Joker ends up figuring out or finding out who this other person in Arkham is, only to find that it's Harley. And she stayed behind just to be with him because she knew that he was still in Arkham too. And they decide, you know what, we're bored here. Let's go down to Gotham City together and kill a whole bunch of people. Uh, And at one point, they go to raid a baseball stadium to place a ball, only to find that some of the team is still there. 
Joker really wants to play baseball, but uh, there are uneven sides, uneven numbers in terms of the teams. So he uses a baseball bat to kill one of the guys just so that they could, you oh know, my god, <laughs> you know, play baseball. Uh, so that Sounds is like a, a whole other like side story going on here. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that is the closest we get to Joker having tryouts in the no man's land, oh, which is yeah. what you guys did in the sketch last time. So that was prophetic, but I didn't want to give that oh, away. Yeah. That was a good one. Yes. Good job. Zach. Uh, Yes. Thank you, Zach. Uh, let's see. John Paul Valley tracks down Nicholas Scratch and sells him all of his hair products. Uh, he, <laughs> I can't get over it. I think about that like once every other day. Because that name, man. The latest from John Paul Valley. L'Oreal. Yes. <laughs> they really should sell those to DC fans. John Paul Valley. God, just that name is like, he's taken over the... The Valley in LA. I don't know. I don't know. Some shit like that. Because you're worth fighting through the system too. Uh, so John Paul Valley tracks down Nicholas Scratch. Nicholas Scratch uh, has creates his own rally in Gotham, where he reveals the real reason why he wanted Gotham to go under and be abandoned by the government, which is that it left it ripe for the taking. He wants to take it over and have his own land. So he starts gathering his followers there, and he starts giving out guns to them, who think that, oh, this guy makes a lot of sense uh, over at this rally. So John Paul tries to go undercover uh, among the followers in the line of guns, but ends up getting captured. And Nicholas Scratch is about to kill him until John Paul basically tells him, hey, like, if you kill me like this, it's not going to mean anything. I'm a nobody. Uh you have to kill me as Azrael. It's going to mean something if you kill me as in my costume. And Nicholas Scratch is like, you know what? That's a good idea. But John Paul is pulling a Batman here, because remember, he used to be Batman. Uh, because whenever he puts on the Azrael costume, his training kicks in, the system kicks in, and he's able to sort of be more lethal. So once Scratch makes the mistake of putting him back in the Azrael costume, he breaks out of his bonds and starts kicking ass. Cassandra Kane ends up helping, but it's really down to Azrael versus Nicholas Scratch, uh, where he beats the shit out of Scratch, and Scratch is like, you know, they, the star beings, the, the the light that came in that sort of gave him, uh, sort of made him all sexy and stuff. Uh, he's like, they promised me victory, and Azrael's like, they lied, and he knocks him out, and he turns to the rest of the followers, and they're like, there's your savior. Anyone want to follow him now? So... That is the end of uh, Nicholas Scratch. Uh, you know, halfway through the story, shows that he wasn't really that much of a villain. <laughs> it was mainly the villain for Catalyst. <laughs> yeah, that was that seems a a bit anticlimactic. I think it is considering how much he's been built up. It kind of felt like Denny O'Neill is like this guy could be your big bad, and everyone else on the team was like, nah. DC <laughs> get rid of him. DC <laughs> team was like, uh, I don't know about this, Denny. <laughs> Like late you did great game. work with uh, Joker and Ra's al Ghul, but this ain't no Ra's al Ghul. Uh, yeah. Rob know, Zach, Zombie! What did, you, what did you think of Nicholas Scratch uh, when you were reading this, Zach? I honestly don't remember much of his story because he exactly. wasn't one of the main villains, so I kind <laughs> yeah. of just paced out. Um, he, there is like a little picture of him in that uh, Batman encyclopedia I had or the, the mm-hmm. Visual Dictionary as a kid. Yeah. And I think it was about No Man's Land. And that's like my only memory of him is him looking very like had like his arms up and he looked yes, very yeah. very crazy. Um, and my my wife would want me to mention this, but Nicholas Scratch is also the name of a character 
and the Sabrina, uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina <laughs> television show, and it's also a name for the devil. So, yes, I think he was a satanic like character, the rock star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like a heavy metal like pentagrams and shit. Yeah, yeah. No, that's definitely what Denny was channeling. <clears throat> like he's built up as such a cool villain in Cataclysm, and then it's just like, eh, yeah, the take end. Him out. Uh, <laughs> what if he was thought- brought back for? Uh, What's it called? Death Metal or whatever. That'd be interesting. I haven't read that. Oh, that'd be interesting. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought he'd at least have some other backstory involving Gotham because it was a little underwhelming that he's just like, yeah, it's just so I can take it over. I'm like, okay. It just seemed like you'd have something more interesting going on than just that. Um, Just to give you an idea, guys, of how much of a role Nicholas Scratch plays in No Man's Land, he is completely absent from the Greg Rucka novel. Hold on. From, I keep doing that. <laughs> from the Greg Rucka novel, he is not mentioned once in this entire thing. Um, yeah, uh, Rucka, Rucka knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, we don't need him. Uh, maybe he was the one who said, yeah, we don't. Let's just kill. Let's just get rid of him. Like halfway through the story, uh, he is, however, in the junior novelization, which is how I was first introduced to him. Funny enough, um, which seemed weird to me. I'm like, why is this? This guy's. I don't. I've never heard of this guy. And then it turned out like rightfully so. Years later, so. It was a character that had some potential, but uh, they seem to have done away with that. Uh, in the meantime, Nightwing goes into Blackgate Prison, where he is basically thrown in. He tries to basically switch himself in with one of the inmates, but that inmate uh, is not down for that because he doesn't want to go back to Gotham because Gotham is a hellhole. It's no man's land. He's so, introduced via, via buttshot, 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 buttshot. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of Nightwing <laughs> buttshot. But. So <clears throat> Nightwing's ass is thrown in prison. This is he knows this is not good for him. So he <laughs> he's because all of the on the ground, in. face down, spread eagle all like one panel he's... butt cheeks spread, the other <laughs> panel butt cheeks together. Repeat, repeat, repeat that for a DeGrace couple pages. Knows how to do a lot of squats. Uh, so I see you've been stretching. Yes. Who, who <laughs> am I right now? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't I guess know. Batman. Maybe it's Black Mask or Ventriloquist because those are the villains he encounters. So everybody who was previously caught is in this prison with Nightwing. So he knows he's in trouble. Uh, But he makes a deal to help them escape. But really what he's doing is he's trying to find a way to get to lock up and KG Beast and take them out. So after a couple issues of that, he's able to succeed in doing that and the GCPD can take control of of Blackgate. And Dick Grayson's like, ah, thank God. And he shows up at the Watchtower and collapses in front of Oracle. So, uh, you know, Nightwing has done his mission. Um, but I'd say probably one of the best... <clears throat> one of the best stories in here is... Which is not featured in the novelization at all. Either version of the junior... It definitely wouldn't be in the junior, but the adult one. Uh, is called Spiritual Currency by Devin Grayson. And this is the one that centers around Leslie Tompkins. Uh, this is uh, set... Uh, around her area. So she's in the MASH sector, where she's basically the main doctor in all of No Man's Land, it feels like. Um, And uh, her backstory is not covered in a lot of adaptations. She's mainly been in the the Batman the Animated Series. Uh, But she hasn't really been in the live-action stuff. She's the Anne Harriet of BTS? Kind of. She's more of like Batman's... If Alfred's his surrogate father, she's more of his surrogate mother in a way like it's, okay. when Denny O'Neill first introduced her in the 70s she was the woman who first comforted him uh, when she found him in the alley and likely was the one who called 911 to bring the cops so like the whole beat of Gordon 
comforting Bruce after the murders of, of the Waynes, uh, originally that was Leslie Tompkins. That was her role in the comics uh, and everything, and he always felt indebted to her, and, and she was a doctor who stayed in Crime Alley to bring hope to Crime Alley. Like, the first issue that she's in was literally called There Is No Hope in Crime Alley. Uh, so that, that was her role in this. Um, Zach, do you, since you've read this, like, do you feel like Leslie Tompkins should be somebody who should be brought to like the live action stuff because it seems like they've always cut her. Absolutely, from a lot yeah. Of stuff. I, I really enjoyed her character in the comic and in the the cartoon series because, mm-hmm. you know, like un, unlike Aunt Harriet, it wasn't like somebody they were trying to constantly hide their secret identities from. She was mm-hmm. in a lot of ways like Alfred, where she was another individual that you know Bruce could talk to who knew exactly who he was and kind of like another voice of reason for him. And mm-hmm. I think that was really, that's really important for him to have more than one figure like that in his life. So yeah, other than, I don't agree with her age uh, in Gotham, like her being a, the same well. age as uh, Gordon and stuff, <laughs> but it's, I, I want to see her like in a live action movie. Older. Right. Leslie She's like a hot version in Gotham? Yeah, it's Marina yeah. Baccarin. Oh, oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, but in the end, like she was, she was Leslie Tompkins in name only. Like she, they Pretty didn't much. even call her Leslie. She was named Lee. She was basically Gordon's girlfriend. They had some weird sub word plot in like season four where she becomes a crime lord. I'm like, this yeah. is not. That's not Leslie. Like, she does, she has like maybe two scenes with Bruce in the entire show. I'm like, that's not kind Leslie of a waste. Tompkins. Yeah, like, they might as well have named her Sarah Essen or something, like Miranda Bachran's character or something, because that's, that's closer to who she is. But uh, Leslie, in the comic, uh, does know that Bruce and Batman are the same person. She, was, she is not like Aunt Harriet in that way. Uh, but unlike Alfred, who helps and enables Batman, Leslie only really wants to help when it's helping the injured, helping sort of repair the Robins and Batman. But at least in this post-crisis continuity, uh, Leslie has is a hardcore pacifist. She does not like violence to solve things, so she doesn't actually like uh, how Bruce has used his pain. Uh, Cut to Alfred is polishing his gun while drinking whiskey. Yes, yes. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you may not like this, Leslie, but I certainly but do. <laughs> I certainly do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> so... Uh, in No Man's Land, however, because of this is No Man's Land, she finds herself in the middle of a war, of course, because she wants to treat everybody, and she comes in with a victim who is a friend of Killer Croc, and she also has the person who's responsible for the person needing medical attention, which is Victor Zaz. So now <laughs> she has Victor Zaz as her patient, tied up, and uh, Killer Croc wants revenge on Zaz, but Leslie Tompkins talks him out of it, which is really wild but it's a great scene in an alley where killer croc is like you know you know how dare he kill stumpy stumpy's the name of his friend and leslie is like talking him down this old woman (laughs) this old woman is talking down killer croc and i'm like damn but yeah she's she's presented that way she doesn't let anybody walk over her and that includes uh bill pettit so pettit pettit arrives with the strong men his guys need medical attention he's also uh you know sort of wanting to He's gun, you know. He's obviously very gun happy and, and trying to gun after Killer Croc here, but she doesn't want him using any guns in her sector. Uh, and 
the Huntress is helping out as well, and that's where she runs into her successor for the first time. She runs into Cassandra Kane in basically the same exact Batgirl outfit uh, as Batgirl's bringing in medical supplies, and Huntress sort of shoves her out of the way with the whole like shoulder bump thing that dudes usually do in the bar when they start to start something. Oh, yeah. Um, and then she walks right into Batman, who says, plan on shoving me out of the way too. So she obviously doesn't do that to him, but she he goes over to deliver supplies to Leslie, and some of that is uh, blood for blood transfusion. And Leslie, he finds out Leslie plans to use this blood to help save Victor's ass. And Batman gets pissed. He says, you will not use the blood I just brought you on him. And Leslie brings up that if they don't use the blood, Zaz will die. And says, don't tell me No Man's Land has made a killer out of you. Oh, I guess you were uh, right about that then. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You just uh, backpedals yeah, yeah. immediately. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mom. <laughs> I mean, Leslie. Uh, <laughs> yes, Mom. Uh, no, he, 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 he says, you have to give me something better than the Hippocratic Oath this time. And she says, fine. How about concern for my soul? And she brings up that she... This is all that she knows how to do. She's a healer. She heals people, and it doesn't matter who they are. And that's that's something that's just as important to her as Batman's no-kill rule. Ah, uh, yes, and I've taken the Hippocratic Oath. Does not yes. mean I'm a hypocrite. Hippocrite. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Leslie. <laughs> I yeah. shall save <laughs> anyone who's in my in my field of vision. <laughs> Leslie understands his mission, but brings up that she does not approve of Bruce's le- methods, and even goes as far as to saying that she's afraid she may, quote-unquote, sink to your level instead of raising you to mine. And Batman, frustrated, storms off, and Cassandra Kane tries to, you know, communicate Fuck with him. Fuck this bitch with this level talk. <laughs> Get on my fucking level. Batgirl's trying to use, like, hand, sign language, and facial expressions, what facial expressions you can do through the Batgirl mask, and Batman's like, I don't understand what you're are you asking if I'm angry. I, I don't have time to talk. And as as he walks away, his detective mode is completely <laughs> not getting it. Yeah. Well, as she walks away, she does this with her. She basically brings her uh, finger down her cheek to symbolize a tear, basically asking if Batman is sad. She wearing and the full face mask at this point, or no? Yeah. Yeah. She oh, is. oh, I got so, you. Okay. To me, it's ambiguous whether Batman walked away too soon or if he knew she was asking that he was too sad and he pretended that he didn't understand okay. what she was saying. Uh, but obviously this gets to her because, again, this is a surrogate mom who doesn't believe in him, doesn't believe in the cause of the bat or the methods of the Batman. Uh, so Victor Zaz wakes up in the mash sector, uh, gets out of his bonds, and Leslie attempts to talk him down out of basically killing her because Leslie wants to treat him. And she does basically take... She, bas- she takes his hand. This is gutsy of her. She takes his hand and puts it on, you know has her feel her heartbeat and stuff. It says, you know, feel for one second, like compassion. Oh, wait, no. She puts her hand on his chest. Sorry. I was like, wait a minute. That does not happen. He definitely does not touch her breast. Uh, he, <laughs> he puts his hand on her chest, on his chest, then he, and says, like, feel compassion. <laughs> or at least feel the loss of Get my Get your pronouns or, right. Or my attention Get towards... Get the pronouns right. <laughs> so he, Going he's into trying to reach territory to Zaz. More ways than one. <laughs> He's trying to get through to Zaz uh, through compassion. And Victor Zaz is, seems like he's very moved. He's like, it's very inspiring to see someone act out their true nature. And then he says, my true nature is to kill. So perhaps you should say your prayers now. 
and he's about Damn. to kill her. Until Killer Croc ends up showing up to save Leslie Tompkins. So Killer Croc is wow. a hero in this issue uh, because he, he just basically just wants revenge on Zaz. And then, of course, Batman comes in to break it up and, and captures Zaz, and, and Killer Croc goes off. But uh, I'd say the biggest emotional beat, though, is Batman goes back to Leslie, who's okay, and he actually goes down on his knees, and he apologizes to her about the violence and the life that he had to live. And Leslie makes the agreement. Uh, she says, you keep working towards peace in the city. And I'll keep working towards peace in your heart. Wow. So uh, that is, it's a great moment that would make a great hour of television if they ever turn this into an HBO Max show. Hint, hint. Warner Brothers. It's too, it's too good for them to really uh, notice it, dude. That's the problem. They <laughs> yeah, always turn to other, other shit. <laughs> let's, let's do the Dark Knight Returns again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Ben Affleck in Dark Knight Returns. That's, gonna, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of practical effects makeup, too, actually. The mutants or whatever. Let's have him uh, fight Superman again. Uh, so Huntress <laughs> tracks down, come out of retirement again. Um, oh my god, man. Huntress tracks down <sighs> Pettit uh, for killing the Black Mask gang members a while back, but Pettit brings up that you and I are alike. And she's like, I'm not a murderer. And he's like, no, we're soldiers. And since when has a crossbow been non-lethal? As he looks over at her crossbow. So they sort non-lethal. of Non-lethal? That shit's lethal? Yeah, exactly. Like, since when? He's like, oh, like yeah, since yeah, when? Yeah, yeah. who are you to... to judge me based off of that like i put oh, yeah. i didn't put down innocent people i put down gang members who deserved it and i know you're for the same thing put so down huntress decides to join pettit and become part of the strongmen so she has decided her own alliance around this time their group is called the strongmen yes so we got the strong men, one we woman. got the blue boys yeah we got the patriotic men whatever the fuck their name is that was Nicholas Scratch's group with all the guns and shit. They're, yeah, they're, yeah, uh, the red hats, they whatever guns. they were. Making Gotham great again, yes. Proud no, Boys, the, Proud <laughs> Boys. <laughs> yeah. The Proud Boys are back, dude, in Gotham. Uh, Batman had a special project with Robin to go to Robinson Park. So this is what that is. They go together. Uh, the park has been taken over by Poison Ivy. What Batman's there for is he's there for his Batcave. He set up a remote Batcave in Robinson Park. Not knowing, of course, that Poison Ivy was ever going to take it over. But Ivy is in the Batcave. Like under yeah. a statue, under a fountain or some shit? He just walks up, yeah, he's, up yeah, to no, the no, statue? No, it's it's hidden. Like... It's hidden. But Ivy has found okay. it. Uh, but she's not <laughs> the only one there. Ivy has been actually held hostage this entire time. She's encased oh, yeah. in mud. In mud. Because she's been held hostage by Clayface. Oh, shit. So Clayface. Everybody's showing uh, up. Yeah, everybody, like all the villains who weren't captured in part it one. It was about time that I showed up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, Clayface is... Now making... for my greatest <laughs> performance. <laughs> all right, Basil. So, he's trying to have Poison Ivy create produce so he can deliver it to the other people. Uh, but he's trapped her in mud so that she can't, like, do anything to him. And there's, like, no sunlight. I have encapsulated a plant... Woman in mud. That is the greatest plan of all time. Surely <laughs> plants don't have anything to do with mud whatsoever. <laughs> right. so, she's also, Batman and Robin show up and she wants to be freed. And Batman isn't really wanting to do it, but she's also trying to look out for the children. The children of Robinson Park. So during this time, she is, what's up with your light? I don't know. It died on me. <laughs> Keep going. It just died on me. Oh, my God. So, oh, it's back. Yeah, we're back. All right. So, uh, Poison Ivy has actually been taking care of orphan children in Robinson Park. Uh, so, this is showing the good side of Ivy. 
she takes care of them because quote unquote they respect the green they respect the plants they respect she says the green the like swamp thing she's, she does yeah oh wow she's taking his fucking words man they should be i bet there's poison ivy and swamp thing crossovers oh there must be he's probably yeah. like that stupid bitch giving plants a bad name <laughs> probably so because they respect the green and because she's looking out for all the children there uh batman agrees to help her help her take back control of robinson park and she he teams up with poison ivy against clayface so clayface returns and finds batman there you i was hoping you'd stop by actually like what i did with your place how was that reading <laughs> fantastic <laughs> i'm all about dramaturge <laughs> so batman's like no i don't like what you did to my place and uh, Robin blows up the bridges uh, that are up above the Batcave so that Ivy gets sunlight and gets the power to break out of the mutt so she can join in on the fight. And uh, she ends up... Uh, she turns she to takes out a, She shits in the mud, thus <laughs> putting a big-ass seed there, and then a bunch of mini poison ivy sprout out of Clayface, bro. You're not, you're not entirely wrong. Except for the shitting part, she does turn to Clayface and says... Your body, it's rich in soil. And flowers and roots start growing out of him. And he loses control oh. of his body. And he's like, oh, what are you doing to me? And he, and he says, they're going to... She says, you're going to... Now I wish I had read it. Now I wish I had read it. This <laughs> part, says, exactly. Because if I, especially if I read this as a, as a kid, I would be like, oh my god, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Batman's like, don't do this. Don't kill him. And Poison Ivy's like, I've had enough. And she says, you know, I'm basically going to do to you what you did to me. And it she tickles. Kisses, she kisses Clayface, and he turns into basically this green mound that's part of the park. And oh shit! Basically, kills him. Supposedly, he's. I don't be like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly, he'll be back uh, eventually. But he make Batman decides to make an arrangement with Poison Ivy. These are comics She's, we're talking about. We yeah. this no one ever <laughs> truly dies. So. Uh, Batman makes arrangements so that Poison Ivy makes produce and feeds the rest of Gotham City. Only person that ever died in the MCU up until Avengers Endgame was Terrence Howard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. That's all uh, I wanted to say. But the, the main reason why Batman wanted to go into Robinson Park was because he wanted to get these floppy disks in the back. This is 1999. He wanted to get these floppy disks. Floppy disks to, the to save the universe. To save Gotham. Those are simple times, dude. Whenever you have a <laughs> floppy disk to save the universe. God, so, dude. What do they have, like 200 ki kilobytes on those motherfuckers? Like, they yeah. couldn't hold shit. Like, actual well, floppies or were they the they 2. are floppies. I don't know. They Remember look like floppy disks in the comics. Ben, you might, you might. This is old, by when I was a kid, but <laughs> you too, Zach. But they, there were literally floppy. Then they mm -hmm. transferred over to yeah, no, two point five inch, which like people still call floppy, but they were a, a slightly different and smaller. I think they're anyway, probably this has been inch. old man corner. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the kids to get off your lawn. So <laughs> okay, <yeah>. boomer. <laughs> so uh, they need to get find another way to get the other discs. There's other copies uh, of this disc, which are apparently in Manhattan. So Oracle turns to Batman and says, we don't have another option. You need to contact her. They go from Cut. Gotham to actual New York, Manhattan. Well, sh they don't go to Manhattan. They call somebody. So Oracle says, you need to contact her. And that's when Catwoman picks up the phone. Okay. 
So Catwoman has not been part of Merman's Land at all until this point. Uh, oh, okay. This so kicks this is off a big reveal. Yes. So this kicks off a multi-issue story of Catwoman going to Manhattan to steal these discs that I will not get into because it's too damn long to get into. But the point is, she ends up successfully stealing the discs uh, and breaks into No Man's Land to give them to Batman. She does run into resistance along the way from this mysterious blonde woman who also wants the discs. And this blonde woman, as far as we know at this time, is simply named Miss White. Zach, do you have a Catwoman impression? Meow mix. All right. So uh, Miss White apparently has interest in these discs and invested in Gotham. And uh, during the, uh, I'm kind of going out of order here just for the sake of a clearer story. But uh, during the time that they were stopping Poison Ivy or helping Poison Ivy get Robinson Park back, Miss White ends up going to Columbia where she's recruiting uh, somebody to help her she's get into She's Gotham. on there for a very special mission. <laughs> get some of that white lightning, baby. <laughs> Not there for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds like her name is Miss White and she goes to Columbia, but that's not the way she's yeah, there for. Yeah, she's there, <laughs> she's, dude. She's, uh, she's, rec- Walt, she's Walt's sister. So she's recruiting, yeah. Walt, she's Walter recruiting. White has the blue and the, yeah, she she's is got the white. The white. Yeah. Uh, she's currently she's looking for a man who is currently working for the cartels. She's there to recruit a man who works for the cartels, but she tells him that her employer will pay very generously for him to return to Gotham if he does a job. And she says, "You can name your price, of course." And he says, "I will, my dear, and he will pay for it." So <laughs> we have pain. That was a terrible pain. What a beautiful <laughs> voice! I have to <laughs> trigger it. My trigger is <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, I can't. Beautiful <laughs> I can't. voice. <laughs> Gotham was an is an Asherman territory. We yeah. uh, Ben, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we we lost it after the Dark Knight Rises. We your Morgan Freeman is your best one. Your Morgan, I know Ben's I... Morgan Freeman is his best best impression. I can't I can't do Bane. Um, <laughs> I have to cover my voice. No, that's fucking that's going that's back to Yoda. Bad. You're going back to Yoda. <laughs> do or do not. Yeah. Uh, so this is my Batman and Robin Bane. Uh, he does not look at all like the one from the movie. He actually looks very comic accurate. Uh, <laughs> other than, yeah, he looks a lot better. I don't know what this big ass uh, glove thing is supposed to be, but whatever. Uh, and uh, they don't make him green, so that's cool. But oh, anyway, yeah. this is the Bane that I grew up with. This is the one that I always expected him to look like, and he's never really looked like this in any of the movies. Batman and Robin is sadly the closest, but. Uh, Bane is going to go break into No Man's Land for Miss White. And we will find out why after the break. Ah, What a gloriously beautiful Gotham morning today. Got the day off in this beautiful crimeless city thanks to all these wonderful vigilantes we have working on our behalf i'm just gonna go ahead and go to the park gotham central park my favorite place you don't hardly ever get to go because there's always mad supervillains. uh those guys need to get a real job you know what i'm saying so i'll just beep boop boop beep boop beep boop punch in my location here into gotham maps and uh and uh here we go yeah gotham central park okay and uh start directions riddle me this where does a bird go when it's not in flight where do the chicks lay close at night? What in the hell kind of map app is this? I need to go left or right here? What is... There's just a question mark on the screen here. There's no... 
direct, there's no ways to go. Where does all the ale go from the bars? What opens wide when we look at the stars? What opens wide when we look at the... So I turn right then here on Clarence. Okay, how about this one? What does a baker need for his bread? What makes the dough rise nice and fat? How did the chicken get across the road? How do I get to where I'm going? I don't know how to get to one of my favorite places anymore because technology clearly has taken over my entire life. So I need this app to go where I want to go. What comes after the pedestal's numbers are claimed? What place has winter in every year's frame? Maybe if I try the mic function. Boop. I don't know. Please tell me where to go, please. You've got to figure out my riddles, douchebag. Aren't they fun? Oh, I think I got this. Alright everybody, if you like that little preview to the sketch right there, we have that plus news, plus we're bringing back some opinion pieces and uh, review type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod and if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes. Basically, consider it Superhouse DLC. Oh! And you're listening to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. Woohoo! I'm going to get some Colombian Bam Bam for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Colombian Bam Bam! <laughs> I forgot about Bam Bam. <laughs> and we're back, along with Bane. Thank you, Zach. Uh, <laughs> Perhaps we... I'll take some of that luscious <laughs> white lightning you have, Bane. <laughs> it's a whole other class crossover that we got going on. Uh, so, we're um... of a similar body type and style. <laughs> you uh, so... fingers off my powder. <laughs> Suck him up with his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> ah, very good. <laughs> I don't know what's going on between Bane and Clayface there, but uh, Bane has to break into Gotham. I have never it... done cocaine, by the way, but I have seen it's it in person a couple times. <laughs> That's all I got. Continue, Ben. <laughs> okay, so in the... <laughs> In the in the comic, uh, so there's two different versions of how Bane gets into Gotham. So again, trying to make up for the fact we didn't explain how Batman got back into Gotham, but we had three explanations of how Tim Drake got into into Gotham, two of which included Nightwing, and now we have two explanations of how Bane breaks into Gotham. So in the comics, he uses a bunch of runaway cars to distract the National Guard on the broken bridges, while underneath the bridge he climbs below like monkey bars <laughs> across uh, the way into Gotham. Um, the novel has a argu- inarguably cooler version where Miss White accompanies him. They reach the National Guard, and she shoots all of the National Guard uh, so that they can get into a secret tunnel that's been built in there by her Who's employer. shooting the National Guard again? Miss White. Miss White's this employer. much of a badass? Yes, Miss White is a badass because you'll find wow. out what her real name is later. Uh, uh, Bane okay. gets access to an arsenal from Miss White's employer uh, that he now starts using on gang members. Uh, and he, as he kills off a whole bunch of gang members in No Man's Land, it's it's a hell of a panel where it's it's Bane uh, holding a Gatling gun and firing, just shooting everybody. 
uh, all these gang members, and he leaves a bunch of two of uh, cards. Does the gun look face. like a little pea shooter? Like the pretty way, much. Like, yeah. Bane could probably barely get his finger in the trigger <laughs> hole or whatever it's called. <laughs> no, it's like it's it's huge. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge ass gun that he just uses to, to massacre everybody, and he leaves a whole bunch of two of spades cards, uh, which frames Two Face's gang. So he clearly has an agenda here. Uh, it is so, very easy to frame any villain in Gotham. Yes. <laughs> it's, it Bane, seems like. Bane's like, this is, yeah. Let's leave Rither, some kitty litter leave, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Question marks, boom. Question marks here. Kitty litter Google, there. A Joker Google card riddles. here. <laughs> <laughs> but it was all me. <laughs> so he, he's leaving two of Spade's cards uh, all over the place. So people think it's Two-Face. And then somehow Penguin is the only one to figure out that Pe- Two-Face is not actually doing this. Leave no Penguin. Play-Doh behind. Two-Face to, to yours truly. <laughs> so Penguin ends up, because remember, Penguin has an arrangement with Batman to give information as long as Batman like leaves him alone sort of thing. So he gives the information. Somebody's trying to set up Two-Face and uh, trying to direct all the gangsters to Two-Face's uh, territory so that the territory around the Gotham Hall of Records is open. So Bane is sort of set up Two-Face to get killed off by a bunch of gang members so that he can go in t- and do this heist in the Hall of Records uh, on behalf of uh, his new employer. So uh, Batman and Robin have to go and save Two-Face from a whole bunch of gang members who are about to basically hang and kill him. Uh, but uh, ba- Batman knows that Bane is going to blow up the Hall of Records, and in the comic, he's basically like, let him blow it up. Oh, wow. Because he wants, to, he wants to know who is behind all this. He wants to know who Bane is working for. However, in the novelization, something very different happens. Batman actually goes into the Hall of Records and confronts Bane, and wanting, wanting information from the employer and tries to goad it out of him, basically being like, I wonder how much he bought out of you. And Bane is feels insulted that Batman would think that he could be bought like that. And so he tries to pick a fight with Batman, and Batman basically just tries to turn around and leave. Bane confronts him again and punches Batman, and Batman still doesn't fight back. And he's like, you win. Happy. And he tells Bane, just do the job and leave Gotham. So, either way, Batman has his own agenda here, trying to figure out who is behind uh, these attacks. Because he doesn't quite know about Miss White yet. He only knows that Bane has snuck into No Man's Land to blow up the Hall of Records. But he doesn't know why. So, uh, because of the fact that Two-Face was, uh, had lost a lot of men and nearly got killed himself, he kind of goes into a tailspin and decides to blame Gordon for failing to protect him and honoring their partnership. Uh, in the comic, Two-Face is a lot more villainous. He storms into the Gordon's house and punches Sarah Essen in the face. So, poor Mrs. Gordon. Uh, and he cap- he captures Gordon, and he's already captured Renee Montoya and her parents and her brother and kept them hostage for months because he just couldn't bear to be separated from the woman he loved. Uh, the novel version is a lot less over-the-top, I would say. He literally just <laughs> he, he jumps over the garden wall and, quote-unquote, is careful not to wake up Mrs. Gordon and knocks out Gordon and kidnaps him from the garden, and that's it. He doesn't kidnap Montoya's family. He doesn't do any of that type of stuff. He All he wants is just Gordon. Which honestly makes more sense. Um, in the comics too, and, and they're both written by Greg Rucka, by the way. Both the novel and the comic. So it is interesting to see that, that the novel is almost like Rucka rewriting his own Batman story. In a way. And just fleshing he probably out had cars. like way more of his own say with the that novel too. too yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I, could, I feel like there's more cooks in the kitchen with the, with the, with the comic. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially with a big event one like this. So, he uh, in the comic bat uh, in the comic, but not in the novel. Two Face leaves the Tally Man. Remember that was his number two guy, uh, guarding Sarah Essen and the Gordon's cops at their home while Batman and Robin have to figure out how to save them. Um, <clears throat> I do have a correction though. Tally Man. Uh, we joked last time that Tally Man leaves tally marks for everybody he kills. Turns out I was completely wrong on that. He d- that's not why he's called the Tally Man. I looked this up just to verify it. <laughs> no one corrected us. No one corrected us. That our shows how much fail. people give a shit our about listeners Tally fail. Man. <laughs> so I feel like he's got, actually, a, he's got a Cockney accent. Hello, I'm Tally Man. It actually is an old British tax collector. was called the Tally Man. Okay. Everybody has to pay the Tally Man. When you have a Tally. Sort of, yeah. yeah, so that's, the, that's what that comes from. Uh, okay. but because I just thought, especially as a kid, I'm like the tally man. This tally guy's lame. This guy's a ripoff of Mr. Zaz. I even knew about Mr. Zaz at like 10 years old. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't know about Zaz until later than that. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so he's kidnapped Gordon, and in some versions, he's kidnapped Montoya and her family. And the family sort of argues, you know, his, Montoya's dad knows that he's a criminal and feels like they've been held hostage. But Montoya's mom is like, hey, like. He's set us up. He's given us shelter. He's given us food. This isn't so bad. Uh, and treats him well and seems to love our daughter. And, of course, the dad's like, are you crazy? Uh, <laughs> but uh, Two-Face asked Montoya to put on a uniform. And it's not the police uniform. It's a bailiff's uniform. And uh, he yeah. has her come to the courthouse. I like this kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anytime. Sorry to sound like a creep, but you just have a situation where a guy is telling a woman to put on a uniform. Uh, certain... It's yes. a little bit has a certain context uh, air, air to it. You wear, <laughs> he's like you wear the, uh, if you wear the uniform, I flip the coin. It's yeah, gonna be a good yeah. night. There's something going on. There's something Ooh, going on there. Bad side. <laughs> so Beetlejuice um, is there for some reason. <laughs> talking to Two Face. But uh, he brings, he wants Montoya in there because he's putting Gordon on trial. Because he feels like Gordon has betrayed him in every sense of the way. He manipulated him through Matoya. He uh, was not there to help save him when, when all these gang members tried to kill him. So he decides to put him on trial. And if he's found guilty, then Gordon will be sentenced to death. And if he's found innocent, though, Montoya negotiates with Two-Face that uh, he will let her go free. He will let her family go free. And he will turn himself in. And Two-Face decides to agree to that. So what follows is probably, in my opinion, and I think Zach agrees, uh, one of the greatest Two-Face stories <clears throat> of all. It's called Jurisprudence. It's likely, I think, inspired some of the Two-Face confrontation at the end of The Dark Knight. I don't know how you, if, if you kind of felt that way too, Zach, about the whole Two-Face going after Gordon uh, in Jurisprudence, sort of foreshadowing that, uh, that finale at Dark Knight where he, he sort of blames everything just on Gordon the whole yeah. time. Um, but I think this is a, a way richer version of it. Uh, so this is only exclusive to the novelization. This is a very uh, Harvey scene uh, that is not in the comic at all. But the tally man is actually in the courtroom in, in the novel. In the comic, as you remember, he tally man is, is holding Sarah Essen hostage. But tally man is actually there. And when Montoya brings up, you're not an impartial. This is this is an unfair trial. And Two Face, who's very much about things being fair, is like, all right, I'll prove to you that it's impartial. And he turns to Tally Man, and he's like, did you kill anybody today? And Tally Man's like, yeah, a couple cops. And Two-Face is like, all right, you're charged with two counts of murder in the first degree. How do you plead? And Tally Man's like, what, what are you doing? And he's like, how do you plead? And Tally Man's like, um, 
not guilty, and Two-Face flips the coin, and it shows the coin to Montoya, and says, tell me what it is. And she looks at it, and she refuses, and Two-Face kind of figures out what it is, and so does Tally Man, and he realizes he's fucked, and he brings his <laughs> gun up to Two-Face, and Two-Face blows his brains out. Oh my, I'm dead! <laughs> <laughs> so, that's the end of the Tally Man in the novelization. He is still alive in the comic, but in the novelization, he has been tallied off. Tallied uh, so off is, the Tally yeah. Man. Yes. To uh, see but, uh, uh, Nicholas Scratch in, in Hill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All these <laughs> random villains that didn't quite reach their potential. Uh, D-list but, uh, villain Hill. <laughs> throwing Tommy Mangles and Gearhead. Uh, what was our sketch where somebody was going to Hell? Riddler. Riddler was going yes, to Hell. Yes, yeah, Riddler was going to yeah, Hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Two-Face brings Montoya to the stand uh, on the reasons why Gordon sent her and, and you know, using her to manipulate, manipulate him. And uh, at one point, he's like, you know, so he sent you over to me. And uh, did you want to? And she's like, no, I didn't. And he's like, why? And she says, because you scare me. And in the novel, not in the comic, but in the novel, Two Face actually stops walking. And you can see on the expression that that just broke his heart. Oh, shit. Uh, not in the comic. <clears throat> uh, Harvey then puts Gordon on the stand next and cross examines him further on uh, how he betrayed him. And, of course, Gordon doesn't really stand a chance, but the novel flushes that out more by actually having Gordon feel the, that his soul is on trial, feel that Two-Face is actually kind of right here. The oh, comic shit. does not explore this at all, but he, he sort of feels that, you know, maybe Harvey was right that he shouldn't have turned, to, turned so the, to Two-Face. the novelization's going into the inner monologue of Gordon a bit more? Gordon and Two-Face, like everybody, yeah, yeah, every yeah, character, everybody, and all yeah, three yeah. characters in this. Um, yeah. all right, this all is, right. again, one of the greatest Two-Face stories and Batman is not in it at all. Batman does not show up at any point in this trial. He's not going to come in to save the day here. Uh, he's not he's too sitting busy in trying the stands. Save. He's not sitting, sitting in the, the stands. What the fuck show. is it called in this courtroom? <laughs> the seats, the seating? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so um, <clears throat> Harvey decides to flip for the verdict, and Montoya says, he's but he's entitled to a defense. Doesn't he get a defense? You're all about the fair trial. And Harvey's like, we don't have anybody. And Gordon's like, I can defend myself. And he's like, I'd have to declare a mistrial. Renee says, I'll defend you. And he says, I'll have to do the same. And then Gordon says, you can. I want Harvey Dent to defend me. And Harvey's like, Dent? For the defense? And so he actually walks up to the witness stand, sits down, and we get to hear, not in the novelization, but this is exclusive to the comic, Harvey Dent cross-examining Two-Face. This is crazy, man. This is some wild comic book shit. <laughs> so. Basically, is what this is. <laughs> it's got this great little like panel too, where it's it's like split, oh, yeah. where it's like Harvey uh, on one side and Two Face on the other, and all the dialogue mm -hmm. is in the middle. That's cool. That's a good way yeah, to do it. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's the so. only way you really should do it, I guess. <laughs> uh, so Zach, uh, provide us with what exactly is going on in Harvey versus Two Face. Sure. <clears throat> you took it upon yourself to let's see if I can remember how you put it serve justice no so any contract Gordon entered into with you was under duress and therefore void no 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 he did it he's guilty and you can't you you can't uh, the defense rest not guilty. <laughs> and <laughs> Harvey wins out 
versus Two Face, and Montoya. He asks Montoya to bring him in, and he holds up the wrist with the handcuffs. And when Montoya brings the cuffs on him, Two Face says, "Renee, don't forget to read me my rights." Because <laughs> he's still a lawyer. Yeah, and, and they that put, is the end of your. They put one handcuff on the Two Face side. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey is innocent. <laughs> so yeah, of course. That's what I was uh, thinking. You don't. Yeah, you you can't arrest the defense attorney. Uh, so Gordon yeah. gets home and sees that Sarah Essen is safe. And in the novel, he asks like, "How many people did they lose?" And in, in trying to, because he imagines Two Faces people were just killing all the cops. And she says, "We didn't lose anybody. We won because the cavalry arrived." And Gordon's like, what do you mean the cavalry? Like, did Pettit come back? And she's like, no. And she opens the room, and there's Batman. And it's the first time that they've been in a room together. Because remember, Gordon has hated him for abandoning Gotham. And Batman and Gordon look at each other, and Gordon's like, all right, let's talk. So directly after this epic Two-Face story is another very character-based scene that has no... It's a full issue, Legends of the Dark Knight one, number 125, called Falling Back. The entire issue is a conversation of Batman and Gordon in a garden. Okay. They're not uh, having coffee at New Year's or some shit? No. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you have any resolutions, Jim? <laughs> and all the villains, like, after a couple years, are like, oh, the streets are, like, not being watched on New Year's Eve at 5 a.m. Huh. Good to know. Jim, maybe we should move the time. It's getting a little predictable. <laughs> um, all right, so we're going to have uh, basically this big confrontation between Gordon and Batman, and Gordon just flat out lets it all out by saying, where were you? Where the hell were you? And how he doesn't feel that Batman respects him. And it's called communication, him. y'all. You can save a whole friendship, all yeah. kinds of shit, if you just talk to one another. Right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to. Thank you for for coming to our TED talk. <laughs> you just talk and have. I love that SpongeBob meme with the with the rainbows. Communication. <laughs> Sorry. Um, he brings up that he knew it wasn't him, like the real him, when it was John Paul Valley and Dick Grayson. He doesn't know it was John Paul Valley and Dick Grayson, but he knew that there were two pretenders beforehand, just showing that Gordon was not an idiot during Nightfall and uh, Prodigal. Um, Some luscious hair was coming outside of the cow. <laughs> I knew it couldn't have been. Smelled very really. faintly of hair product. Yes. <laughs> he always smelled different. Uh, you always smell like <laughs> beef jerky and black coffee. <laughs> but, but he always smelled like cupcakes. That's how and, I get uh, the job done, Jim. <laughs> and, and yerba mate. <laughs> All right, so. I don't have many friends. Don't have many people I can trust. But I trusted you. You say you're my friend, but I don't think you have friends. You're my partner. Partners are equals, Batman. When have you ever treated me like your equal? Partners, for example, tell you their plans and all their business and everything in their iCal, too. They keep you informed, and they sure as hell don't walk out on you in the middle of a fucking pandemic. I mean, in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> that, too. Uh, so Greg Rucka has Gordon call out Batman on the Disappearing Act, which is an amazing beat here, uh, and tying it in because it's one of those things where you know if you get really pissed off at a friend, you just add in all the other things that slightly annoy you into the list. 
So oh, yeah. this is exactly what happens here. Done it many uh, times. <laughs> yes. So Gordon is the now. Strategy. Yes, yes. Uh, so Gordon brings that to Batman, and Batman does not have any retort other than what seems like, in the moment that I think would probably be him saying this in the Bruce Wayne voice and not the Batman voice, all he says in return is, I've never been good at saying goodbye. Uh, and he brings up that there's nobody he respects more than Jim Gordon. Uh, but he knows that he betrayed Gordon, and you know he says, quote, the words don't mean anything. There's something in my eye. There's something what in my eye, it? yes. Is yes, this? don't don't look at me. It's poison ah. poison ivy. Ah. No, he says he ah. says words he says words don't mean anything. They don't fix the damage. Actions speak louder. And just to show his action, Bruce reaches up to take off the mask. And he oh, takes shit. the mask off. Reveal. And and he reveals his face only to show in the next panel that Gordon has already turned around and tells him to put it back. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. And this Gordon, so, okay, so on a more yeah. serious note, this does remind me of the BTAS part where Somebody, it's not Batman, but somebody turns to Gordon and says, "You know, who, it might be Harvey Bullock." Yeah. He said, uh, "You know, do you know who he is?" And he turns back to to Bullock and he says, "I don't want to know." Exactly. <laughs> I just, thought, yeah, I and fucking love that dynamic. Gordon is you know? actually calls yeah. this out. He he says, like, if I wanted to know, I would have discovered it ten years ago. And for all, all right, you know, maybe right, I right. did, but that's not the point. So put it back on. And so Batman puts it back on, and they decide, you know, Batman has already shown him how far he's willing to go. And so they decide to make a plan together the next morning. And when Batman leaves, he doesn't disappear on him. He just turns around and says, have a good night. And Gordon says, and you too. And that's the reconciliation. That's the end of the issue. It's an amazing Gordon and a Batman story. Uh, Damn, that's really good. Story. Yeah, that's really it's good. a hell of a thing. Um, Denny O'Neill. Denny o- no, this is Rucka. This, this is, is Rucka. Greg Rucka. Yeah, this, this is, is Rucka. Greg Rucka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Denny O'Neill is Nicholas Scratch. Uh, is doing oh, the Nicholas yeah. Scratch stuff, so he's <laughs> Nicholas Scratch. <laughs> maybe he's maybe he's not. Uh, this wasn't his best. That wasn't his best work. It wasn't just, quite uh, Donner of the Demon. Uh, or the Joker's Five Revenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so in the junior novelization, Gordon and Batman team up to go up against Mister Freeze. So you'll love this, Andrew. Yeah, uh, I'm loving it so far. All anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Clayface and Poison Ivy face off and shit. Yeah. Uh, let's now see, Batman this... uses a knife. It does explain, by the way, it is explained in the junior novelization that Freeze, only in the junior novelization, that Freeze stole a bunch of diamonds to power his suit uh, for the rest of No Man's Land. Um, and okay. He, uh, and, oh, okay, okay. Yes. Trying to explain uh, how he's getting power to all that shit. Yes. Yeah. Zach, do you have an Arnold? Oh, I've done it before. Yeah. It's right. <laughs> probably not good. Sure, uh, better than mine. Can you do it? Yes, that? I. I stole enough diamonds because I felt the earthquake <laughs> coming and used to, to power my suit so I wouldn't get too hard in the no man's land, you know. They had to write me in this motherfucker somehow. <laughs> Especially because Mr. Freeze was just in a movie during this. Remember, this is, yes. this is what's going on in comics while Batman and Robin comes out. Yeah. So imagine just being a well. I mean, Cataclysm was uh, was really what was coming out, but still, like this was the level of storytelling in comics at the time. So just imagine how pissed off comic book fans were at the time. I kind of get it. Like they were not ready for Batman and Robin. Even uh, people that I was just thinking about this the other day. Even people that hated Batman Forever, I feel like the consolation prize was Kiss from a Rose. <laughs> but but Batman, <laughs> Batman and Robin, Batman and Robin has no consolation prize. Smashing pumpkins. Yeah, it's not quite as good. I remember that being on the soundtrack though. <laughs> yeah. Wait, which one? one of my favorite soundtrack? Smashing pumpkins. 
especially pumpkin. Oh, for oh, and uh, Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, can you do Zach? I just sent the line from Arnold. This is the actual line in Junior and the Junior novelization about Gotham City. Gotham City is mine. What could be cooler than that? <laughs> <laughs> That's really good, man. It's literally written by Alan Grant in the junior novelization. I shit you not. <laughs> I feel like you would have a big, like, wink to the, like, audience. Yeah. <laughs> Get it out. Cooler. Uh, wink. In the junior novelization, Robin and Nightwing stop Clayface 3. Not Clayface 1, who's Basil Carlo, but Clayface 3. That's the Preston Payne one with... Uh, they don't specify it, but they say he is, quote-unquote, the radioactive body that could have killed... Uh, them with the slightest touch, and that is the. We don't talk about him. It's Basil or only in this house. <laughs> Basil or nothing. What about Matt Hagen? He's the same. He's it's Matt Hagen in the animated series. Yeah, Ron. Oh, uh, we talk about him. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he's the main. Actually, he's well, the main well, one. Yeah. Well, ba- Basil is the actor one, though. Basil was the actor, and Matt. They just made Matt. Uh, well, he's trying. He's, a, he's an actor trying to get back to his uh, to his job, right? And uh, B test. Well, they they mix the two together, and they mix it together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, this is why I'm getting confused. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, not as cool uh, in the see. comics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's trying. Uh, to, he's trying to um, you know, be young again so he can be on the stage yeah. and screen yes. the silver <laughs> screen. He doesn't quite talk like that. He talks more like Ron Perlman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see. In the, also in the book, it's it's uh, Hardback Bach, the cough Hardback Bach, and Montoya acting as decoys for Batman to help capture Poison Ivy, and Gordon himself captures Penguin. Uh, but the big one is, in the junior novelization, I don't think kids were down for this whole Harvey Dent cross-examining Two-Face character uh, moment It was trial. taken out entirely, huh? That's it was taken out entirely. Instead, it was replaced with an action sequence where Batman builds a more armored Batmobile to storm City Hall. Uh, to take uh, down Two-Face and Killer Croc, who have teamed up. Uh, and then Gordon gets confronted by Two-Face. Uh, but in the junior <laughs> version of it, there's no trial. It's more of uh, it's more of Two-Face flipping the coin. And as he flips the coin and looks up, Gordon tackles him and knocks him out. Uh, so it's very... I can understand uh, this change for... Kidified for, for the, version. For the, for the kid version, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, at one point, Pettit tries to show up and execute Two-Face. And Batman stops him, and Pettit sort of challenges him, being just like, there's two types of people in no man's land, and we'll see which one of us survives at the end of this. In terms of, like, your type, who keeps everyone alive with mercy, and me, who takes no mercy, and I'm the only one who can survive this. Um, So, we have a few loose ends here, because, like, Two-Face has been taken down, so the big crime lords are down, however, we've still got this whole stuff with Bane. Uh, So, Bane and Miss White are making dealings with Penguin, uh, and Batman is trying to find out from Penguin who it is. All they know is that she's moved into cement mixer and building supplies. So she's trying to build stuff. She's actually trying to rebuild Gotham. They're planning some major urban renewal. Uh, and Batman goes to Oracle, and Oracle f- has figured out who she is and who she works for. And we see this transformation as Miss White changes into a black-and-white business suit with a tie, and she dons a chauffeur's hat. And she approaches a helicopter that Lex Luthor steps out of. What? And he oh, says to Miss White, oh. whose real name is Mercy Graves, oh, says, shit. Mercy, ready to rebuild Gotham. And so Lex uh-huh. Luthor has entered the arena of No Man's Land, which is probably one of the biggest surprises. Like, yeah, that's uh, cool. <laughs> was this a surprise to you, Zach, when you read, when you found Lex in this part of the story? Definitely. I think it was like the last page of volume four. So I think that was like oh, really? the first one that I that's read. Perfect. Yeah. It was like this big reveal at the very end. 
Yeah, it's the ultimate, like, the one you don't see coming because he's not a Batman villain. But mm-hmm. it's like, we're still in the DC universe here. Uh, and it'll make sense. Shared villains, y'all. Yes. Yeah. So Shared universe. Uh, and, of course, this is the first introduction of Mercy Graves into the comics. So Mercy was, just like Harley Quinn, uh, created just for the animated series. Superman, uh, one, right? Of course. In the Superman animated Superman. series of the 90s, just like Harley Quinn was. So it's totally I, new information for me. You did not know yeah. that. Mercy okay. Graves uh, is uh, basically his chauffeur bodyguard type in the animated series. They made her a little bit more of, you know his head of security hit woman type in the comic. And also this version is hinted at being an Amazonian. Okay. Uh, in her confrontation with Catwoman, she basically beats the shit out of Catwoman. It's kind of sad oh, to see. Oh, wow. Uh, in it. But, uh, That's yeah, actually so kind of cool. I could see Lex doing that. Yeah, so he's kind of hired an Amazonian uh, to be his main quote-unquote head of security. Uh, if you listen to the audiobook version of the Greg Ruckin novelization, yes, I listened to that too, on top of reading these <laughs> and uh, <laughs> all of the comics, uh, pages 375 to 420 are missing from the audiobook version that does not cover the Lex's plan. But this luckily, is some crazy deep dive shit you got going on, man. <laughs> <laughs> is, I told you I love this story. Appreciate um, your service. <laughs> so, uh, Penguin, who kind of has a crush on Mercy, uh, wants oh, to make really? sure. Yeah. Teach you my French slipper trick. Yes. <laughs> Unlimited what? <laughs> Unlimited, Unlimited what now? Poontang. Come again. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> Poontang. Uh, so he wants to make sure that under Lex's new plan that Penguin will get like a piece of it because uh, he knows what Lex is up to. And Mercy tells Lex in the novel, uh, which is really cool. Uh, I don't think it's in the comic. He said, she says, in reference to Cobblepot, quote, he wants to be you, and he doesn't understand he never will. Which is kind of cool. I never really thought about the parallels between Penguin and Lex Luthor before, but yeah, it's right. kind of true. Like, Penguin is always seen as, he's always going to be seen as an outcast. He's always going to be seen as kind of a freak, uh, and Penguin's always going to want that respect. Meanwhile, Lex is the opposite, where he always has that respect in the public eye. He knows how to manipulate it, but he's a monster deep down. The just scale's much, different, not too, more than right? Penguin. Scale's different. Luthor wants the world. Penguin yeah. wants Gotham. Penguin's like, I just want a piece yeah. of Gotham for myself. Please. Yeah, I want a couple blocks of the city. You just can have the blocks. rest of the world. Can I get this one street, please? <laughs> so Penguin tries to get a cut of Lex's plan and ends up resorting to blackmail. So this is interesting. We have Lex versus Penguin here, where Penguin says, if you don't give me my piece of the pie, I will go to the press and tell them that I have been making dealings with you and you will be known for having dealings with a criminal. And Lex says one word, Mercy. And Mercy turns around and kills everybody in the room except for Penguin. Uh, and, Lex tur- and Lex says, don't threaten me again or you'll get another taste of my mercy. And he walks out. And that is the end Crazy. of Penguin's power because he doesn't have anybody working for him anymore. Mercy killed everybody. This by the way, is who Tao Okamoto, the Japanese actress, was supposed to be playing in Batman v Superman. The one where Ben Affleck's like, I like those legs, oh, yeah. or I like those shoes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the reaction. Like, oh yeah, that's supposed to be Mercy. I remember that, but she she technically is, though, right? But she's just doesn't do much. She doesn't do this. Die. She doesn't do this, doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than die, yeah. She just gets blown up. So, yeah. unfortunately, she did not get to do cool shit or have an Amazonian connection. She's also like working with uh, 
that idiot Lex Luthor version. <laughs> you know, like that was just a terrible. Just the Eisenberg. Yeah, yeah that was just. I mean, I. God damn! I hope I don't ever meet these people. But well, actually, I hope I do. But I hope they don't ever listen. <laughs> but it was just. A, it was Please a listen bad, to our podcast unless you're somebody big. It was bad. It was a bad take. I'll just put it that way. Even if even if you are listening, it was just a bad bad take on yes it. so please have a different lex luther for the hbo max you ever seen adaptation the fucking, of no man's land there was a fan trailer before it came out because i was super into the, this at this time of course, where yeah. it was walter white yeah brian you cranston. know brian cranston mm-hmm. yeah obviously bald in those two somebody did a fan edit and there's literally a a, a quote from breaking bad where he says maybe you float too close to the sun yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they, they they put that in, and it's just, yeah. he says that kind of off screen, and then it's a cut to Walter White just looking up or something, but yeah. in a super badass way. And I was just like, God mm. damn, man, they yeah. fucking had it. It could have been so good. Total miscast. Total is, miscast. Yeah. No, I, I do think Cranston is still a little old for, I mean, it's just, he was, still would have been old. good. He, he would have been better than Eisenberg. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah, he would have been know. better than Eisenberg. He just, a lot he was of just people so been, yeah. fucking badass. That one quote, I, I'll never yeah. forget it. That Whoever yeah. edited that fan trailer, if you're out there, that was incredible. Yeah. yeah. No, it was, it was good. But uh, So Lex is here in Gotham for an unknown reason that we'll find out towards the end. But uh, funny enough, Lex ends up helping No Man's Land. Uh, because he's turning the public opinion towards getting Gotham to become part of America again. And then there's another subplot where Tim Drake has to tell his dad that he snuck into Gotham City and uh, because his dad's worried where he is, and Tim can't really just tell him, yeah, so Batman needed me, and I went on this you know, go-kart thing to go through the tunnels and fight <laughs> Gearhead and Tommy Mangles to get in so we could get control of Robinson Park back to Poison Ivy. He can't tell her that. So... Uh, his father actually freaks out and gets the press involved, saying that his son is stuck in no man's land and needs help. And all the politicians suddenly come to this and say that maybe it's time for Gotham City to be saved. And the public start writing to government to lift no man's land, and survivors who made it out go on like the news and everything. And it ends up leading to uh, whoa, uh, it ends up leading to an announcement uh, from Washington, and Lucius Fox is there to t- say that Wayne Enterprises will be joining LexCorp in helping the rebuilding of Gotham and that no man's land is officially over. The executive order has been signed. Access to Gotham will be restored. Government will be coming of emergency supplies, equipment, everything to help Lex Luthor. And this is all fantastic. Everybody's celebrating, except there's one problem that disturbs Batman. Joker's still out there. Oh, yeah. So we lead into the final chapter of no man's land. Uh, It only took us, you know, five hours of podcasting and... (laughs) <laughs> a whole year's worth of comics to finally get to this chapter. Uh, it's called Endgame. Not Avengers Endgame, nor is it the Batman Endgame arc that Scott Snyder wrote. This is the original Endgame, I'd like to think. Um, it's such a great is, name, though. I mean, I can yeah. see why it's used over and over. It's the Endgame of No Man's Land as well as Joker's Endgame because he is pissed that No Man's Land is ending and he feels like people are forgetting him and he, and he comes up with an idea that is not what ends up happening in the junior novelization. So I'll give you the PG version of what ends up happening in the junior novelization. Um, Joker attaches a bunch of his hostages to an oil tanker called the Joke Mobile and has them march down the street singing When the Saints Come Marching In in a sort of a creepy way. And he shows up out of the oil tanker and announces to Gotham that Batman has ignored him for too long. And if Batman doesn't show, 
he's just going to blow up the oil tanker with him and Harley and everybody on the street with him. So Batman shows up, beats the shit out of the Joker, end of story, end of endgame. That is the very PG version. <laughs> you foul it. fiend. Yes, you foul, like. you foul fiend. So, uh, in the uh, yeah, so that's the that's the most kidified version that the story could end. The comic and the novel have very is a very different. So, uh, Christmas is coming to no man's land. Gotham is now snowed in. The government has a right to rebuild everything. Everything looks like it's more hopeful. Gordon is reinstated officially as the police commissioner. Um, Lex is helping to rebuild Gotham. Mercy brings up to Lex, hey, there's a bunch of, like, toys that got stolen. There's, like, a whole shipment that got stolen, and Lex doesn't care because it's just, like, whatever. It's just a bunch of dolls and stuff. He's not concerned, but, uh, you know, given the fact that there's a whole panel or two devoted to this, obviously that's going to come into play later. Um, Over at the Strongmen territory, Bill Pettit is losing it. Uh, he's taking it, it's, you know, he's named him, his place the strong man. He's the pinnacle of toxic masculinity. So obviously he's not uh, very happy about anybody who wants to leave his territory. So he forces everybody to stay in a gym to eat Christmas dinner with him <laughs> because he doesn't have anybody. Yeah, typical. Um, and Huntress knows that he's losing it. And another detective who's joined Pettit has also knows that he's losing it. And that's uh, Foley. Uh, Foley was the character that Matthew Bodine played in The Dark Knight Rises. Um, but uh, he and Hunter sort of realize that at some point Pettit's going to go too far and they need to figure out like an escape plan. Um, <clears throat> it's hinted at in the novel that Batman actually, when he took the Batgirl mantle away from Huntress, he actually planned on Huntress falling in with Pettit so that he would have somebody to keep an eye on him. So that was interesting. Uh, but that's also not in the comic. Um, so anyway, Christmas dinner is very miserable over in the strongman territory and as they're eating uh they hear the joker over the radio and he's attacking the men outside and guarding it and pettit is pissed that joker is threatening his authority and because he has such a fragile ego pettit decides to show the joker that he means business and he's going to do what gordon and batman and everyone failed to do which is kill the joker so he goes out with his gun and despite hunters trying to stop him he goes outside he sees the joker he aims and he blows the Joker's head off. Wow! And then the Joker shows up again. Oh, okay. And Pettit <laughs> shoots him. You got me. And then another Joker shows up, and Huntress realizes none of these guys are Joker. They're all Pettit's own men that Joker has dressed up. And Pettit's just killing his own people, uh, which is probably what inspired that the third act of The Dark Knight when they switched everybody, where all the hostages had the clown masks on and all the all of Joker's men were the doctors and everything. That comes from No Man's Land. Um, so Foley sees that Pettit has gone nuts and decides to run to the GCPD to get reinforcement. And Pettit gets pissed and says, no one leaves without my permission. And he turns around and he shoots Foley to death. So now he's gone from killing his own men who are dressed up as Joker to just literally just killing his own men. Uh, this is a very violent death, but apparently not nearly as violent as the death that Ma- Matthew Modine was going to get in The Dark Knight Rises. So this is interesting. This came out just this week, just in time for me to cover oh, the shit. death of Foley. Uh, I haven't heard no this. Podcast, no other podcast will cover the death of this very important character, the Batman mythos. So in reference to Chris Nolan, Matthew Modine said, He cut my death scene out of Dark Knight Rises because he said it was so violent that it would have gotten an NC-17 rating. After Bane dies and Batman Chris Bale gets stabbed, she gets in one of those vehicles. She starts to drive away and I'm shooting at her, and I got run over. 
All it does is, it just cuts, and I'm on the ground, dead. But it was so violent. The guy that was doubling me got hit by the car. They put a plexiglass thing on the front of the car, and he got hit. They had ropes to pull him into the air, but he went up, and they dropped him from about 15 feet. And the sound of his body hitting the cobblestone street in front of New York Stock Exchange, it was sickening. And I remember, I looked at Christopher Nolan when we shot it, and his face was white, whiter than usual. He was like, okay, let's move on. We got that. But it was like, oh my God, is that guy going to get up? Is he okay? But Nolan said that if he would have put it in the movie, it would have gotten NC-17 rating because it was so violent. I don't know why it wouldn't have been R. I mean, it was PG-13 how, how yeah, to It skipped NC-17. straight from R to NC-17. <laughs> All right, it doesn't sound that bad to me. <laughs> yeah. Just got a thud. Like, if your name is Foley, you either die violent in a Batman story or you're Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, so, yeah, that's right. Just got to trade up. That's right. Uh, but Huntress finally turns on Pettit after he kills Foley, and she's had enough, and she says basically that you're as mad as the Joker, and you're the bad guy, and we trusted you and everything. And she starts beating on him until a shot rings out and Joker shoots Pettit to death. So that's the end of Pettit. Uh, now it's just Huntress, because Foley's dead, Pettit's dead, the rest of the strongmen are dead, except for the people who are protecting the sector who are inside this gymnasium. And it's basically Huntress standing in front of this door with Joker, Harley, and 20 Joker henchmen. And Joker just wants to get inside because he wants the children. He wants to kidnap the children. Jeez. And this Huntress, is getting dark. Yeah, Huntress dark. remembers... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where are the children? Cut to the monkey, give it to him. He's like, ah! <laughs> wow. Is your mic okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, and Huntress remembers how she lost Two-Face's territory. And she remembers how she was outnumbered. And when she asked what she was supposed to do, Batman said, more. And she makes her stand against Joker, who's like, are you kidding? There's 20 of us and one of you. But your funeral. So he sends 20 henchmen in. And they throw everything they've got at her. They even got crowbars, but I guess she's better than Jason Todd, and she manages not to get killed by that. Um, she knocks all of them out, leaving Joker and Harley, who laughs, and Joker shoots Huntress. And she refuses to fall after one shot and stays on her feet, so he shoots her again. And she's still on her feet, so he shoots her again. And she goes down on her Jeez. knees. And he brings the gun up to her head. And he's like, well, it's been fun. And Huntress is basically ready to die and sacrifice herself. So he finally shoots her in the midriff. And he finally shoots her in the midriff, uh, which is why it's exposed in Hush. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, Batman and Nightwing come to rescue her. And Joker is, fin- is like, finally. Um, because he's been waiting for Batman to show up the entire time. He uses a bomb <laughs> to distract Batman so he and Harley can escape. But uh, Batman and, and Nightwing go tend to Huntress. And Huntress, right before she loses consciousness, tells them he's going after the children. And Batman recognizes what Helena did, and he says, good work. And Nightwing brings up to her, that's his highest praise. And she finally, before she gets knocked out from getting shot three times, she finally gets what she wanted, which was Batman's approval. So take is... a couple bullets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what I have to do? <laughs> And it's like every psychic of mine has to take get shot a good five times for me to get my <laughs> approval. It's an initiation. <laughs> yeah. So Gordon is 
at home trying to have a nice Christmas dinner with Barbara and his wife Sarah, and Batman arrives and tells him Joker has made his move. This is He's what got a wa- nice country ham on the table. <laughs> well, dressing. that ham's going to have to wait, yeah. Oh, uh, because Joker, Joker's out to kidnap all of the children in Gotham. Oh, yeah, there and is that. And <laughs> yeah, the reason why is, quote-unquote, <laughs> he wants to murder Hope. The children murder, are the hope oh, for oh, Gotham, yeah, okay. so, and he wants to get rid of that. <laughs> I thought he wants so, to murder Superman. What's going on here? <laughs> yes. He just wants to murder the S on his chest. That's it. Yes, that's it. <laughs> um, Essen, uh, or Gordon's wife, Sarah Essen, wants to go after, find, you know, wants to be part of it because, and this is fleshed out in the novel. This is not in the comic, but uh, two of the GCPD cops actually have a love affair and end up having a kid during No Man's Land. Uh, and Sarah Essen was the one who helped deliver the kid. And that kid is now missing. So she wants to help find the baby. Uh, baby Justin is his name. Uh, so everyone goes out all over Gotham to try to find uh, the children. So this is like Bullock, Montoya, this is all the GCPD with Sarah Essen, all of Batman's people, this is everybody working together finally uh, to try to find it. And they go to these nurseries where they think Joker's likely kept them hostage, but instead they find all of the dolls that Joker stole from Lex Luthor. And he's been using these and hooking them up with explosions and explosives and Joker gas to uh, basically trap and kill everybody who tries to stop him. And Batman thinks that he's cornered Joker at one point, only to find that it's Harley in disguise, so that's kinky, uh, for whatever they're, whatever the hell they're into. Uh, and he basically interrogates, asking her, where is the Joker? Uh, Sarah Essen uh, is part of the search party, and at one point her radio gets broken, so she has to go back to Gotham Central. And as she goes back to Gotham Police Headquarters, that's when she hears the cries of babies and the sound of the Joker. And she goes to a room, and it's Joker standing in a room full of babies, and he's holding the child, Justin, that she wants to help protect. Uh, and Essen brings the gun to him and basically says, freeze, and Joker turns around. And this is very creepy. In the comic, Joker does not smile the entire scene. Okay. It's just him looking very serious. Well, he do- actually does in the next part, but he doesn't, he doesn't smile when he turns around. And Rucka in the novel says that it's the first time she's seen him not smile. And it, quote-unquote, makes the marrow freeze in her bones. Okay. So, uh, Joker has this little mini monologue that he says to baby Justin. Life is the biggest joke of all. You're just going to get the punchline sooner. So, as as Essen tries to get him to put the baby down, Joker turns around, sees her, and says... Oh, it's the police! Hmm, I'd like to report a crime. She tried to shoot me, and I dropped the baby. No, no, I mean, she rushed me, and I dropped the baby. Or maybe I just... And then he drops the baby. God. And Sarah drops the gun so she can catch the boy and save the baby. And she cradles the baby in her arms as Joker brings the gun to her. And he says to her... Merry Christmas. And then he shoots her in the head. Joker walks out without Shit's smiling. Dark, bro. Yeah. And uh, he walks out of Gotham Central, and he says, "I he basically surrenders to the cops as Montoya and Bullock go in and find the body of Gordon's wife, uh, the body of Sarah Essen. And Gordon pistol whips Joker and brings the gun to his head." And Batman is standing next to him. And now we've got Joker, Batman, and Gordon. So basically, let's see if I can do this here. This. <laughs> He's got a whole 
I got a whole setup over here. Yes, he has a diorama here. Somehow Joker is the shortest out of all those in my figures. Uh, But Gordon is in tears because this man has paralyzed his daughter and has murdered his wife. Gordon is, uh, by the way, I I never thought about this. Gordon's generally average height, 5'10", 5'11", you'd say? Probably six foot. Six? Six even? Yeah. All right. Unless he's, uh, you know, Arkham Gordon, who looks like he's just as jacked as Batman <laughs> in those games. Jacked. <laughs> Everybody's jacked. <laughs> Everybody in the in the Bruce Tim versus Skip's leg day. That's another. Yeah, story. pretty much. Uh, and Gordon brings up how he's gone too far, and Batman brings up. Uh, he says, "We've all gone too far. Look at them. Look at us. They can't take anymore. It's time to bring our people back, Jim." And Jim keeps the gun on Joker. And this is the only time I've seen in Batman comics where Batman kind of looks the other way and says, I won't stop you. Oh, and so, shit. Uh, Joker looks at Gordon. And in the comic, he makes a reference to James Jr., basically bringing up that he knows that Gordon has a little boy. It's kind uh, of a reference to, uh, I don't have to save you. Yeah, kind of. A little bit. Uh, a little bit. Before that, that happened, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that kind of and in the novelization, though, Joker brings up that uh, he reminds Gordon that he and Sarah never got to have any kids of their own. And uh, either way, uh, Gordon reacts by shooting the Joker. Which in the next panel is revealed that he shot him right in the leg. Uh, right in the knee, actually. Yeah. Which you would think would paralyze Joker for the rest of comic history, but no, he's still running away from Batman many issues later. But in this moment, uh, Joker clutches his leg, and he has one final joke. That he says to Gordon. Oh, you shot me! You shot me right in the knee! I might never walk again! Oh, I get it! Like your daughter, Commissioner! Oh, that's a good one! (laughs) That's really funny! (laughs) (laughs) So, very good. Yeah, thank you, Zach. Very good. (laughs) Is that Mark Hamill right in front of me? Is that Mark (laughs) Hamill? That Luke Skywalker, man! (laughs) <laughs> so they cart uh, the Joker away and as Gordon walks uh, he collapses but Gordon, Batman catches him and tells him I've got you as Gordon cries into his arms uh, so that's a hell of a again this is more of Greg Rucka uh, we go to New Year's Eve where it's Sarah Essence funeral and Barbara says quote I always called her Sarah but now it's too late to call her mom and at the funeral oh, Batman arrives and Gordon asks him if it was all worth it Oh, wait, Bat- uh, Batgirl was one of those that called her parents by their first name? Well, Sarah's not her mom. That's oh, her yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, oh, yeah. that's right, that's right, yes. Yeah, because Barbara's you. mom is Barbara. Oh, yeah, Barbara. I forgot. Barbara, and her brother's name is James, so they just were not very creative with the, <laughs> with the names of the Gordon kids. Yeah. <laughs> then they named their daughter Martha. Yeah. And, you yes, know. of course. Um, Gosh, so... As we're in the final issue of Endgame here, we get to find out what Lex Luthor has been up to. So Bob Gale, the screenwriter, came up with the idea that Lex Luthor arrives to bail out Gotham City, but the real hidden agenda is that he had Bane blow up the Hall of Records to destroy any documents of who owned what buildings. I was wondering what rec. I was going to ask you what records, like marital records, criminal <laughs> <Yeah>. records. <laughs> what are we talking about? Lex here? is like nobody will be married again. No, uh, he I'm wants going to, to cause chaos and destroy building codes. No, he he's wants to take ownership of all the real estate in Gotham City now that all the records are gone. So Dude, we're back real to estate Gene. people are the most diabolical. This is back to Gene Hackman, Lex Luthor. It's all yeah. about land. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, my God, dude. And, um, and Spacey. 
Yes, well, the Spacey's just another version of the Hackman. It's the same Luther, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In in the junior novelization, funny enough, they did not have Lex Luthor do this. They actually had Nicholas Scratch try to do this. So the novelization is actually the best use of Nicholas Scratch <laughs> in any of this because he actually, in the novelization I'm back, version, baby. Nicholas Scratch was pushing the government to do this so that he could take over and blow up the Hall of Records. So he actually tries to go in the Hall of Records himself where he's thwarted by a Batman. Um Feels more organic, but not nearly as cool as having Lex Luthor in this. So, uh, but anyway, Bruce has a an ace up his sleeve though, because remember he had Catwoman steal a whole bunch of floppy disks, and those floppy disks are powerful floppy disks. <laughs> yes, Nineteen ninety nine. Oh god, <laughs> those floppy disks are the original records. So even though he he let Bane blow up the Hall of Records because he had those backups on those floppy disks, thank God it's not twenty twenty. Um, yeah. So it's the evidence of who the original owners are, which will thwart Lex and show that all these documents that Lex is coming up with and forging are actually forgeries. Uh, oh, and man. The one who saves the day here to confront Lex about this is not Bruce Wayne or Batman. It's Lucius Fox. So uh, oh, Lucius shit. goes in and says, you know, <clears throat> basically how there seems to be some irregularities here on uh, the different documents. And uh, there's a difference, too, because, like, in the novel, Bruce actually joins him in there as Bruce Wayne, and he has to like adapt to being Bruce again because he's been Batman for a full year of f- trying to fight for the city. Oh, yeah. um, and he even tries to flirt with Mercy there. Uh, but in the comics, Lucius actually goes and talks to Lex alone on like New Year's Eve at the eve of the party and brings up how like there's all these documents and how like surely Lex, somebody's trying to frame Lex about this. And, and Lex is like, well, thank you for bringing this to my attention. And as Lucius leaves, Lex says, Mercy kill him before he leaves the building and as mercy's about to go kill lucius fox batman shows up and knocks her the fuck out and then tells <laughs> lex that he's already been foiled and that he needs to get out of gotham by midnight so that's the end of lex luther's plan there uh and so gotham is now back to belonging to its people its own people uh and the ending of the last couple pages has gordon pouring a glass on new year's eve for himself and his wife at the grave site while Batman's at the grave of his own parents as the fireworks go off sort of bringing in the new year for Gotham um, it's kind of an anticlimactic uh, final page but I think Rucka brings it home with uh, the novelization so the novelization actually has Bruce return to Wayne Manor and says as he gets in I'm home and the final page is uh, Oracle writing in her journey, journal and she says dear dad I'm looking back now trying to dry my eyes you said to me tonight, I don't think the hurt will ever stop. You're right. It won't. Just ask Batman. That's so that's, good. that's the uh, that's the way that uh, Rucka ends it. So, uh, Andrew, what did you think now that you know the big beats of No Man's Land? It's really fun as a read, uh, but also... As a read. <laughs> I mean, as a listen for me. <laughs> Whatever Not a single I, whatever, page, as you said. Whatever, whatever I imagine the read to be, it seems very fun. <laughs> yes, you're right. But yes. but I do want to read it. But I think um, – but what I was trying to get to, but it's also got a lot of fun parts, but a lot of also, um, of course, very heavy parts. And seems very like – we have the beginning of Mercy Graves in the comics here, right? And Harley Quinn, yeah. And, and Harley Quinn as well. We have any other mm. first? Seems like a very pivotal issue in uh, Cassandra Kane. Cassandra uh, Kane. 
let's see. And then this is sort of the leeway into Birds of Prey, really, because Oracle asked their work of Huntress here. Right. Beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Birds of Prey comes out a little bit later after this, but it's it's uh pretty close. Uh pretty close here. Um so let's see. And then of course there's the death of Sarah Essen, which is another thing to add to the list of many crimes that Joker has done to people. He's and how much he's ruined Gordon's family. So it's a whole other thing. It's 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 a hell of a story, man. I think my favorite parts were the Clayface part, Two Face <laughs> Two Face talking to himself. Yes. Uh, and well, Mercy killing everybody is pretty cool. Penguin yeah. also talking about Luthor is cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Their dynamic, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that in it. So yeah, yeah, it's um, it's epic as hell, really. And oh, it's, yeah. su- it's surprising it's not. We haven't seen more of its DNA and and other stuff. You know? Right, right. I think it deserves. You know? I mean, the, we as I've covered, like we saw it in The Dark Knight Rises, but it was very much like. Oh, like Gotham's cut off from the rest of the world. The end. Like there's, there's not much of yeah. No Man's Land in there. Yeah. Uh, Gotham had taken its own shot uh, as well in the final season. That was, I think was a little truer to the what the concept was. But again, because of the they had to make it fit into their own continuity, it wasn't a direct adaptation. Right. And Harley Quinn uh, in in the in the last season did their own take. But of course, like since it's the Harley Quinn show. It obviously was not uh, a true adaptation either, nor should it have been really, because it's it's got its own thing going. Yeah, it's a totally uh, different tone and everything. Yeah. Uh, Zach, what did you think of the ending when you first read this? Um, uh, you know, I was like, let's see. So I was probably in middle school when I read it. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I was surprised at how dark it was for a comic. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I did like that it ended with the Joker. That felt like at least that beat there. That's appropriate. Felt yeah. important because it, you know, he's been missing throughout the entire story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. yes, I was very, very into it as a kid, and uh, I liked having that ending with um, Batman and Commissioner Gordon because I was really into the animated series, and that course, felt yeah, yeah. felt good to me. You know, compared to how things are in the movies, where he's just a <laughs> right a at the top by the end. Yeah. <laughs> You were not. You did not see any Clooney, or Kilmer, or Keaton comforting Pat Hingle through anything. <laughs> it was. It was not. You didn't even. I remember reading this. I'm just like Gordon has a wife. <laughs> I just didn't. Oh, and Mary. Know anything? <laughs> right. I didn't know anything about Gordon uh, at all, and because of the movies. But uh, and then the animated series fleshed him out more. But it was really when reading what what was in the comics, I was like, oh, like he is a legit character. He's not just the guy who turns on the bat signal. Yeah, I really want to see. I know it'll be too long and it'll never happen, but uh, I want to see like a DC animated version of this. It might even have to be funny, like a three-parter or something. Funny you should say that. Uh, what we have here are animated pitches for what could have been an animated series based off of No Man's Land. There were two attempts. Uh, as you can see here, thanks to DCAnimated.com, it says that uh, this work was done by a character designer named Corin Stone. Uh, it was selected by producer James Tucker, who went on to do uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold, uh, to do character designs for a No Man's Land-based cartoon. But the project was ultimately scrapped because it was considered to be, quote-unquote, too dark. Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network opted to eventually go to a more lighter route with Batman the Brave and the Bold. Stone spent roughly five months working on production artwork for the series in the mid-2000s before it was inevitably canceled. Uh, let's take a look at some of the... Uh, Let's take a look at some of the close-up here of what Corrin right. Stone. So this first one you can see there is uh, there's Catwoman actually in the background along with Nightwing, Robin, and uh, Batgirl. Either the 
Huntress in the early versions, or probably more likely the Cassandra Kane uh, Batgirl, and then there's Batman himself. All right, on to the next one. There's the design for Batman. This is cool. Let's take a look and at then, this real quick. Yeah. So uh, right. the black bat symbol kind of blends in. Going into the as you can cowl, see. Yeah. Get, yeah, yeah. You can't see the ears, though. I know. You get, uh, you get a little lost there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Uh, and then the next one is Bane, so it looks like they would have stayed true to that aspect of uh, the story. Little Bane dates. <laughs> Interesting. He doesn't quite. They didn't quite go luchador on that. That's more uh, gimp mask, but I don't think that's really what they were thinking of I at know. the time. It's a uh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, and, and then there's another, yeah, and then there's another Batman. Uh, so that was the first version, but there's a second version uh, if you open the next one. So this looks cool. Uh, it was a second attempt to create an animated series based off of it, this time with CG animation, uh, sort of like what would become of Beware the Batman. Also stalled for the dark premise, James Tucker would have been producer for this, uh, and the artist is not listed. However, uh, thanks to our friend of the podcast, Andrew Farrago, we have a little bit more details of this in... Uh, in his book, uh, Batman, The Complete History of the Dark Knight, in uh, uh, movies, TV, comics, and beyond. I'm probably butchering the name. I always forget what the order is of that list. Uh, in this other version, it was James Tucker and Mitch Watson. Uh, it was a pitch for Cartridge Network with the modern CGI. Uh, quote, here's what uh, some of the quotes were from Tucker. It said, Batman is like a sheriff in a classic Western. He would try to bring law and order to a broken city that piece by piece was being annexed by villains such as Penguin and the Joker, who you can see in the corner there. Uh, fortunately, Nightwing and Oracle would be on hand to assist the Dark Knight. The Batcave was destroyed, but Oracle would have this mobile Batcave that she'd drive through the sewers of Gotham. Uh, he also said, quote, we pitched it to the Nolans, because at that time, Christopher Nolan and his brother had to approve it, which is an interesting thing, because I think... There was a time where Nolan had to approve of every single DC thing. He had to approve Arrow having Barry Allen. He had to approve really he DC did? TV. Yeah, he had to approve DC yeah. TV doing The Flash, which is weird because that was way after The Dark Knight Rises, and like Batman didn't have anything to do with The Flash stuff. I get it if it's like you needed Nolan's approval to use Ra's al Ghul because he planned on bringing him back in the flashbacks in yeah. Dark Knight Rises, yeah. or Talia and stuff like that, but. That I thought that was weird, and I didn't really. I don't really care for the idea that he had the ownership over all of the DC universe if he wasn't really involved with the Batman stuff. So I thought that was weird. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> it said the Nolans loved it. We were good, but Cartoon Network said this is way too dark, and they killed it. That uh, sucks. But yeah, just look at the like look at the state of Gotham look at the it. Background. Just look at look it. At it. Uh, so yeah, and then uh, let's look at some of the other stuff they came up with. So there's. Robin, uh, I'm guessing that this is like an alternate suit that he would have worn. Yeah, this it. is interesting. <laughs> he looks yeah. like he's six years old, by the way. Pretty much, yeah. I'm like, that's Tim's young. Tim's older than that. Uh, and then you know, James Tucker, of course, went on to produce other anime DC movies, but Watson went on to work on Beware the Batman, if which is what if the whole for the people that are just CG listening and not seeing the YouTube feed, mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna have a link in the description so people can look at this, right? Yeah. Yeah all these pictures and this where this info is coming from mm -hmm. yeah and then uh the last one uh and then there's batman like a tactical uniform as you can see he's got uh he's got, he's got like knee guard, knee pads uh but he's also got the, the utility belt is a lot more utilitarian as you can yeah. see so uh that is cool so that's the uh those are the all the different animated batman no man's land that we did not uh that's cool. adaptations that we did not get 
Nice, bro. That's that's nice. pretty deep, deep knowledge. Yes, indeed. So uh, before we uh, start wrapping up, though, I would like to acknowledge all the people who uh, were part of the No Man's Land. So I will list the writers. We want to thank all the people behind No Man's Land. Bob Gale, Dennis O'Neill, Devin K. Grayson, Ian Edgington, Greg Rucka, Paul Dini, Larry Hama, Chuck Dixon, Scott Beatty, Lisa Klink, Kelly Puckett, Dafid Wynn, or Dafid, I don't know which one, <laughs> Chris Renaud, John Ostrander, Janet Harvey, Bronwyn Carlton Taggart, Stephen Barnes, Elisa Quetney, and the mastermind himself, Jordan B. Garfinkel. Gorfinkel, sorry, I butchered that. Jordan B. Gorfinkel. <laughs> I did that in the last one. All right, over to you, Zach, for the artists. And of course, we can't go without thanking our artist, Alex Maleev, Roger Robertson, Dale Eaglesham, Dias Raley, Frank Tarrant, Jason Pearson, Damian Scott, Chris Renard, Guy Davis, John Bogdan Bogdanovi, <laughs> Bill Winslade, Mike Diodato Jr., Andy Kuhn, Staz Johnson, Eduardo Barreto, Graham Nolan, Scott McDaniel, Dan Jurgens, Jim Ballant, Rick Bachet, Sergio Cariello, Arden Purcell, Paul Gulas Galassi, the hell Galassi, <laughs> Paul C. Ryan, Michael Zuli, Gene, ha, I like that one. Greg Lamb, <laughs> Ryan Stelfreeze, shout out to you. Jackson Gucci, John Floyd, <laughs> Bill Jimenez, Elliot R. Jimenez. Brown. Hi Jimenez, Jimenez. <laughs> Bill Jimenez, don't you correct me again. Elliot <laughs> Tom W. Morgan, Raphael Kayanan, N. Stephen Harris, Pablo Riamondi, William Rosado, Pascal Alexi, Andy Landing, Mad Broom, and <laughs> Bill Yushier. What a mouthful. <laughs> I'd like to thank the anchors behind No Man's Land. Wayne Foucher, James D. Pasco, Matt Bannon, Jamie Mendoza, I think it's Jaime. I know, Jaime. I was just thinking that. Jaime. Jaime He's Mendoza. Zach, I got to correct you. James. James Mendoza. No, Jaime Mendoza. Sane <laughs> Parsons. Oh, Sean Parsons. Cam Smith. James A. Hodgkins. By the way, the first guy I ever met with in elementary school, his the way his name was spelled, it was Sean. It was S-H-A-W-N. And so when I finally uh. saw the actual real spelling for Sean, it Bing. freaked me out. It's seen. <laughs> or anyway, where was I? Cam Smith, Eduardo. James yeah. A. Hodgkins, Eduardo Barreto, Sal Bushima, John Floyd, Chris Ivey, Stan Watch, Bill Senkevich, Mario, no, Marlo? Marlo, Marlo yeah, Alquiza, Alquiza, <laughs> Mark Ryan, Randy Emberlin, David A. Roach, Roach. <laughs> David A. Roach, Andy Lannon, Mark McKenna, Vince Locke, Drew Garachi, Mark Pennington, Rob Hunter, Aaron Sode, and Carl Rove. I mean, Carl Story. 
All right. Phew. We made it. We finally made it through No Man's Land. Everything from Cataclysm through No Man's Land. Obviously, that wasn't the entire thing. I left out a lot of the subplot stuff. Any closing thoughts, I guess, starting with Zach? I love it. <laughs> I love it, too. It's Yeah, it's one of my favorite stories. That is, like I said in yep. the last episode, it's, uh, it's really cool to see the characters, not in a different setting, per se, but having Gotham destroyed and kind of throwing everything out of whack and seeing how they react to this natural disaster. And it really focuses on some really good character arcs, which doesn't always happen in like the, I would say the more regular Batman storylines where it's just rinse and repeat, like right, of the week stuff. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite part, Zach? My favorite part of No Man's Land is the Two-Face. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, cross-examining himself. That is, that was like one of the coolest things to me as a kid and that artwork of Two-Face, which I believe is Damian Scott. That's my favorite artwork ever of Two-Face. The way he draws mm. his scarification. It looks like there's just holes under holes under holes of this like cheese grated texture face. And it's always, it amazes me that he did that. And just to look at it, the texture is really interesting. Nice. All right. Damn. And Ben, this is your favorite Batman story. <clears throat> Oh, yes, yes. Otherwise, why would I spend so much time reading all the novelizations and listening to the audio drama and <laughs> reading all 100 issues? <laughs> I need a picture of that, of you just doing that. So, wait, so what's your favorite part? <clears throat> all of it. No, um, I think the, the Two-Face one is great, but I, I think the Gordon and Batman reconciliation scene uh, was something I, I didn't appreciate as a kid that I appreciate now as an adult when, after you've experienced just falling out with friends or just having to reconcile with friends and stuff because you realize like that's like how often did you really see Gordon and Batman at odds like it was usually just flips the bat signal Batman shows up I know I could rely on you Batman like it's all it's all usually the same stuff rinse and repeat as Zach says right right and they dared to change up the status quo as well as have some permanent changes too uh in this and go off of different you know play off of the different tropes like the whole like Usually Gordon is just cool with Batman disappearing on him, but now he's like calling him out on just everything and every aspect of the Batman-Gordon relationship flipped on its head in a beautiful issue that has no no fight scenes, no punching. The The main conflict and drama is just two people having a conversation in a garden. And to make that to be able to make that compelling in a comic where you're expecting fisticuffs and kicks and, and grand schemes and, and death traps and stuff, to, to get that instead... It just shows the, the, the level of the writing and, and the storytelling that was on display for that. So, yeah, that's probably my favorite. Nice. All right. What was cool. your favorite, Andrew? Oh, uh, I think you said the clay face. <laughs> I do like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Zach's like, I got this character moment. I got my character moment. Andrew's like, clay face. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't, I haven't actually read it yet either. But the, the Gordon part does seem cool, though. I'd probably, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd have to read it, but. Mm -hmm. I, the fact that I was like kind of fucking around saying that Poison Ivy takes a shit inside of Clayface <laughs> <laughs> but then it actually is something just without the shit like yeah. that without the shit that's a kind of yeah. interesting yeah there's yeah. just something there's something about the when you see an episode of something when you're a kid it just sticks with you forever and one of those was the Clayface episode of B-Taz right just them cause at that point it had been like Optimus Prime and fucking, like, X-Men didn't get quite that dark, but just to see, like, just the imagery of, like, 
the shit getting poured on him. Like, you want this fucking yeah. shit poured all yeah. over you? Like, that was, like, one of the... One of the most horrific things I saw as a kid was coming from my cartoons. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. didn't come from uh, movies, so mm-hmm. it was. It's just like it fucked with me a little bit. I mean, not that bad, but you know, it was. <laughs> it stuck with me pretty hard. So I think that's really that's the reason that I have kind of like a clay face nice. thing, and the and the ability mm-hmm. to to morph into other people is really cool. I think so. Oh yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, cool. So, uh, that is No Man's Land, and that is. Superhero stuff you should know. <laughs> All right, uh, Zach, uh, why don't you plug where listeners can find you? Oh, just like last time, my Instagram is Zachary Jackson Brown Art, and my website is Zachary Jackson Brown I love to draw horror movie villains, uh, comic book characters, and lots of different pop culture characters. So if you're into that stuff, just give me a look. And Zach did the uh, Aaron Eckhart Two-Face that you are seeing in the thumbnail. Hey, oh yeah. Yep. All right. So I'd like to thank Kukia Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B. Shamrock Balls, Aaron Willett, Ian H., Dan D., Laom O., and Super Inframan. Please join the the Shasta Army on Patreon.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Most importantly, the $5 tier on there will get you a bonus feed weekly where we do even deeper dives what's the deeper dive this week ben this one will be on the unknown batman radio shows that almost made it to air but did not actually get plugged in so that's in addition to our batman radio series episode so check that out great and then uh, of course leave us a review on itunes and also please bring out your voice recorder app it's on your phone already more than likely and record us a little something, and then send that little something to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. You too can be on, be on the show. Zach has done it many a time, and they have been all excelente. <laughs> so, Indeed, um, yes. <laughs> I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter, and also if you're not on our YouTube, check that stuff out there. And that's it for me, son of nine. Nice. Uh, and you also check us out on Instagram at Superhero Pod. Uh, Superhero Stuff Pod. Wow, I messed up her own name. Uh, it's been a long day. <laughs> I had to read all of No Man's Land. Uh, Superhero Stuff you Pod. You did that today? <laughs> 1,500 pages today. Plus the novelizations <laughs> and listening to the nine hours of the audio drama. Yeah, damn. Uh, anyway, uh, Superhero Stuff Pod at Instagram and uh, Superhero... I mean, <laughs> Super House Pot on Twitter. Uh, this has been signing off and uh, not talking again for the next recording. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Zach signing off. This has been superhero stuff you should know. <laughs> <laughs>